2023. Ashley, could you please call the roll? Commissioner Anderson? Here. Commissioner Hallisey? Here. Commissioner Jupiter Jones? Here. Commissioner Louie? Here. Commissioner Mazzola? Here. Commissioner Wintraub? Here. Commissioner Zwart? Here. The San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatish Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We honor the Ramatish Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As stewards of parkland, we recognize our duty to honor the Ohlone through thoughtful and informed preservation and interpretation of ancestral land. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. Good morning and welcome to the Recreation and Park Commission meeting of October 19th, 2023. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall, room 416, with options to join and provide public comment both in person and remotely. We ask that you please turn off electronic devices and take any secondary conversations outside in order for the meeting to proceed as efficiently as possible. We ask listeners to turn down your televisions and or computers while listening on the phone. We ask for your patience if we experience any technical issues. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Unless otherwise announced by the president, each person will have two minutes for public comment on each item. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in, per in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. If you would like to speak on any item today, we request but do not require you to complete a blue card. And as a reminder, folks are putting the blue cards over here um, on, on the side here on the um, desk. For those of you who would like to join the meeting remotely, you may view the meeting live on SFGov TV or via webinar using the link provided at the top of today's agenda. You may provide public comment remotely via our webinar or via phone by calling 415-655-0001 using today's access code, which is 2662-957-6620 with webinar password 1019. When you hear the agenda item you would like to comment on called, dial star three to be added to the queue to speak. You will be lined up in the system in the order you dial star three. The system will notify you when you are in line and waiting, during which time the system will be silent. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open. Everyone must account for the time delays and speaking discrepancies between live coverage and streaming. Please address your comments to the commission during public comment on items. In order to allow equal time for all, neither the commission nor staff will respond to any questions during public comment. The commission may ask questions of staff after public comment is closed. If there is an item of interest to you that is not on the agenda, but is still under the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, you may speak under general public comment, and that is on item four, and then continue to item 10. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in either of the following ways, by emailing recpark.commission at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be included in the legislative file as part of the matter. Written comments may also be sent via U.S. Postal Service to San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission, 501 Stanyan Street, San Francisco, California, 94117. The following are short announcements for those of you joining us in person today. If the fire alarms activate, you must evacuate the building in an orderly fashion using any exit. Please note that elevators will immediately return to the first floor and are not available for use. If you need assistance out of the building, please make your way to the closest area of refuge, which is directly across the hall in the men's restroom. Inside the restroom is a speaker box. Press it and City Hall security will answer. Let them know your location and they will assist you. 
Please note that this commission meeting is recorded and will be available for later viewing on sfgovtv.org. And before we move to item two, um, I'm just gonna say this one last time in case anyone new joined. Uh, speaker cards are over on the table there. Once you fill it out, if you could please put it on the desk next to me here. Um, another thing I'd like to say is I know many of you are here to comment on item eight. Um, during public comment, there is a timer on the desk in front of you and it will chime at 30 seconds. That means you have 30 seconds left. It doesn't mean your time is up. But when it chimes um, after the two minutes, that means your time is up. I'll say that again later, but that's all I have. We're now on item two, President's Report. Thank you. Before we get to that, do we have an overflow room? And if so, where is it? We do not have an overflow room today. Are we allowing people to stand? Um, yes, if there is if there is no, are there any empty seats? If you could raise your hand if you have an empty seat next to you. It looks like Monica has an empty seat over there. Yeah. I see another person people, with their hand up here. If people could please go ahead and, and grab all the empty seats and chairs. In the meantime, I will uh, contact um, building management and see if we can get a few more chairs. Okay, we're gonna do our best to accommodate everybody, but I would ask that you please not block the entrance. That would be against the fire code, okay? Um, I would like to defer item two to after item seven. Does anyone have an objection? I'd like to hold my report till after item seven. When is that? Right. It's after the, um, the grant for Spreckles. Okay, so if that's okay with Phil, you can go ahead and start when you're ready. General Manager's report. Thank you, uh, thank you, Commissioner. And um, this is my first meeting with our two new commissioners and with you as chair, Madam Chair, and with you as uh, Vice Chair or Vice President, uh, Joe. So I wanted to say, I wanted to say welcome and um, Parks, there we are. Um, uh, the world is uh, obviously quite a serious place these days, so I'm going to try to keep today's general manager's report both happy and because of the items on the agenda, relatively brief. So here we go. Uh, Halloween. That's happy. Uh, spooky season is upon us, and we've got many hair-raising Halloween events happening in our parks. This Friday, Sundown Cinema presents Halloween Movie Night. Please join the San Francisco Parks Alliance and Do the Bay at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater at McLaren Park starting at 5 p.m. This free event will showcase the 1984 classic Ghostbusters and will also feature a costume contest. Uh, also this coming Saturday, uh, we have two more free Halloween bashes. The Randall Family Halloween starts at 10 a.m. featuring crafts, games, and many more friend family-friendly activities at the Randall Museum. And then starting at 4 p.m., Nightmare on Elk Street is happening at the Glen Park Recreation Center. Enjoy a haunted house for ages 13 and up, as well as food for sale and other games and fun activities. On Friday, then our big event on Friday, October 27th, is Scare Grove at the Sigmund Stern Grove. Enjoy a Grimm's fairy tale experience for all ages in the Grove, including carnival rides, hay rides, a costume contest, a haunted house for those 10 and under, arts and crafts, a climbing wall. We have the San Francisco Public Library's Bookmobile, Randall Museum's Randall on the Road, all kinds of fun stuff. If you're interested in volunteering for this event, there are two shifts from 3.30 to 6.30 and 6.30 to 9.30 that will support setup and breakdown activities at Scare Grove. For more information on how to volunteer, email recparkvolunteer at sfgov.org. 
uh, Rec Park volunteer at sfgov.org or call 415-831-6884 and there will also be bike parking provided by the San Francisco Bike Coalition. And then finally on Monday, October 30th, uh, we have a Halloween movie night at Jose Coronado Playground. Swing by the mission this Mission District Park for a free movie starting at 7 p.m. Bring your own blanket, help yourself to complimentary popcorn and refreshments. The movie is a surprise. Um, we had our annual Urban Ag Day uh, earlier this month at Alamany Farm. Uh, I had the joy of attending more than 150 third graders from SFUSD schools participated in the event where they learned about sustainable farming and environmental stewardship. Some of the hands-on activities and presentations included butter making, tea mixology, and gardening, as well as a petting zoo. Uh, obviously, this is a very unique opportunity for city kids, for San Francisco city kids, to learn about where their food comes from and ways that food and other goods can be produced sustainably. We want to give a special thanks to our participating schools, Star King, Malcolm X, Bret Hart, Visitation Valley, and Cleveland Elementary Schools. And thanks to our partners on this event, which included the San Francisco Environment and San Francisco Children and Nature. Then this past Sunday, Fall Fest kicked off this past weekend at India Basin Shoreline Park. The festival featured free kayaking, a pumpkin patch, local vendors, and a special concert organized. Well, there were two special concerts. Uh, one was organized in partnership, and I see him here. Stefan Franz, are you there? Uh, uh, Bayview on the streets. What's our what's the what's our tagline for? Huh? Sounds of the streets. Uh, Stefan Franz, who also helps us by programming music uh, at the Music Band Shell and uh, probably a zillion other places uh, now. Um, and then we also had Hip Hop for Change, celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Uh, the hip hop celebration consisted of workshops, including hip hop fashion, break dancing, airbrush art, and more. Uh, this was not only a chance for the Bayview community to celebrate the season at the park, but it was also the launch of the new Community Innovation Lab. Uh, Mayor Breed joined us, partic she participated uh, in the event, walking around, saying hi to people, uh, and helping us unveil the new lab. The lab is an expansion of the park's tech hub, which has offered free Wi-Fi access, laptop and tablet lending, and technical support, uh, and a variety of community services to neighborhood residents since 2021, and is a, a key project under our equitable development plan. The lab empowers Bayview residents to explore their talents, spark creativity, and cultivate skills. The new lab offers a range of services, including free rentals of free bar rental borrowing of sports and activity equipment, space for community organizations to host their programming, workshops, networking events, and more, as well as continuing our free Wi-Fi and laptop lending program. The lab is an incredible learning opportunity that will help us ensure that when India Basin Waterfront Park is fully open in 2026, uh, there will be programming from day one that is beneficial to the community. Uh, just a couple more. Uh, Hertz Rec Center uh, construction has finally begun. Several of us were out to cut a ribbon on the playground, but now the actual construction project is underway. The Rec Center will be part of the Sunnydale Community Hub, which will consist of the Rec Center and, uh, and a community center and creates 35,000 square feet uh, of uh, basically a campus of buildings and outdoor spaces. The hub will provide safe and accessible space for sports, recreation, cultural events, health and wellness resources, 
educational programs and activities. It will include landscape play areas, an outdoor courtyard, a cafe, space for fitness and cooking classes, events and community building activities. Then at the rec center, staffed and operated by uh, our department, uh, the rec center is gonna provide an additional 11,500 square feet of indoor space, including a basketball court, bleachers, a multi-purpose room, restroom, staff offices, and equipment storage. Uh, the Sunnydale neighborhood is home to one of the highest concentrations of young people in San Francisco, as well as one of the highest concentrations of low-income San Franciscans. The goal here is to provide neighbors with the resources they need to flourish, including spaces for sports, programming for children, and facilities for learning. With the Hertz Playground renovation having been recently completed, this tra major transformation is on the uh, horizon for the entire southeastern community, and we're very excited to be a part of it. Rec and Park's new Play Pass is here. It launched earlier this month. The Play Pass card allows for easier access to drop-in programming and equipment at our rec facilities, all in one card. Registration is open, and Pass users will be entered into a monthly raffle to win gift cards, rec park swag and program discounts, event tickets, and more. If you haven't taken any programs with us, all you need to do is to go to sfrecpark.org slash register and set up a free account. Once an account is made, you can sign up for the Play Pass, Play Pass online under Passes and Memberships or at any of our rec centers. You can do it as well. Registering for a Play Pass enhances uh, your recreational experience and makes it easier to sign up and participate in our programs. Uh, Registration is almost here for boys and girls in grades K through eight hoping to join the Junior Warriors Basketball League. It is hard to believe that basketball season, Commissioner Louie is again upon us. Uh, Commissioner Louie is one of our biggest Warriors fans. Uh, registration begins on Wednesday, November 1st, while priority registration for scholarship families begins on October 30th. This exciting program provides youth with opportunities to learn the fundamentals of the game in a team environment, emphasizing sportsmanship, collaboration, and hard work. Uh, league play begins January 9th, 2024, and runs through March 2nd, 2024. For the 24 season, we anticipate having 188 teams with more than 2,250 young athletes participating. This is an all-time high for this program and Rec and Park continues to expand the number of league teams to meet the demands of this wildly popular league. The success of this league depends on the generosity of hundreds of volunteers each season, from coaches to referees to scorekeepers. They're all needed to help the league run smoothly, so if you're interested, go to sfrecpark.org to sign up. Finally, uh, I talked a little bit about music at the Fall Fest, but this has been an unprecedented time for music in our parks, and I want to talk a little bit about that before I wrap up. As San Francisco's summer comes to an end, some of our most beloved summer music series have also recently ended, and I wanted to highlight a few that have just wrapped up. Earlier this month, Due South at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater in McLaren Park finished its summer-long run with Sheila E. and the E-Train, as well as Satya and DJ Umami, Due South provides a chance for Southeast San Franciscans to enjoy live music with culturally relevant artists right in their own backyard. Also, the Union Square In Bloom concert series completed its summer run last weekend. The grand finale included a free concert featuring LeVay Smith and the Red Hot Skillet Liquors, a pumpkin patch, 
wine and spirits and an art walk. Uh, and then uh, Fleet Week also went off without a hitch earlier this month and as part of the festivities, we had several free live concerts in our parks as part of the neighborhood concert series. Uh, we also had our annual high school battle of the bands, uh, which was held at the Golden Gate Park Band Shell. Concord High School took home the victory and the prize money. Uh, even though you're not from San Francisco, Concord High, we wish you congratulations. Hardly Strictly also came and went earlier this month. This widely popular and free concert series saw six stages spread out over Hellman Hollow, Lindley and Mark's Meadows, and Golden Gate Park, featuring uh, dozens of performers. So I want to say thanks to the thousands of bluegrass bands who came out to enjoy three days of live music. Uh, we also look forward to next year. We also had a big rock fest at Jerry Garcia Amphitheater last weekend featuring uh, KISS and ACDC imitation bands. Commissioner Mazzola, I think this is in your particular wheelhouse. Uh, and then, of course, finally, as I mentioned earlier, the new concert and workshop series at Indy Basin Shoreline Park happening select Saturdays, Sounds of the Streets, this weekend on Saturday, October 21st, from noon to 4 p.m., you can catch San Francisco's current poet laureate Tongo Isaac Martin, as he presents local poets, elevating San Franciscan voices to create art. I want to thank all of our India Basin Waterfront Park project partners, uh, Illuminate, and the Bayview Opera House for helping, me put on, helping us put on this new music and workshop series. And I called them out once, but I'm going to call them out again because I see them here. Stefan Franz, a former Prozac member, Friends of Lafayette Playground, has done so much for our city in helping us to program free music all over the city. And again, I'll end where I started at a time of a lot of seriousness in the world. Uh, the joy that this program creates is really remarkable. So thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts, Stefan. That concludes the general manager's report. All right, now I'll move to public comment on the general manager's report. So this is, again, just public comment on item three. Does anyone have any public comment on the general manager's report? Okay, seeing none in the room. Are there any hands raised on our WebEx? No hands raised there. Then public comment is closed. We're now on item four, general public comment. This will be up to 15 minutes. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission and that do not appear on the agenda. With respect to agenda items, you will have the opportunity to address the commission when the item is reached in the meeting. I do have um, one blue card for general public comment from Randy. If you'd like to come up and speak, Randy. <clears throat> Thank you, board. Parks Good morning. My name is Randy Campbell. I, for the past two months, a couple of months, the city of San Francisco has been building a skateboard park over here where previously part of the city farmer's market was for 42 years. As of, I have noticed in, since I've moved to this city, most of the skateboard parks, bike parks, and all that have been vandalized, tagged, have homeless that are camping right across the street from them. Prime example, 13th and Mission. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been over there. But why build a skateboard park where something that was there for 42 years that was helping out the community, the people living in that neighborhood? 
Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Campbell. Is there anyone else who'd like to comment under general public comment today? Okay, seeing none, do we have any hands raised on our WebEx? One hand raised. Okay, if you could unmute the first caller. Uh, good morning. My name is Jill Fox, and um, I live on, have lived on Innis Avenue uh, in the India Basin neighborhood since 1992. I am a longtime advocate for the parks of India Basin, and while I, I fully support park activation, the noise from the amplified music uh, that Mr. Ginsburg spoke about on Sunday was out of control for the neighborhood. Um, for five hours, uh, noon to five on a beautiful Sunday, the amplified music reached over 120 decibels uh, and over 100 decibels inside my house with the doors and windows shut. Um, on a practical level, you couldn't have a conversation on the street. You couldn't watch the 49ers game on television inside our house. Um, so we were living in a disco all day. Um, it was probably louder in the neighborhood than in the park itself. I've gone to lots of events in the park. It's because of the geography of India Basin, the water, how it amplifies music like it did in the Portola Festival. You might have heard about that problem too. Um, and the way the water amplifies noise and the, and the buildings nearby meant the music was bouncing off the building, uh, especially percussion. They had drum circles. Um, <clears throat> so I request that some research be done about noise um, before we have future amplified music in our neighborhood park. Uh, I appreciate the activation desire, but we really need to look into the noise and how it impacts the people living nearby. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Jill. Okay, seeing no further public comment, general public comment is closed. Okay. Um, oh, is there, there, I guess there was one more hand raised. Okay, why don't you unmute that caller, please? Hi there, thanks so much for having me. My name is Aaron Breitwar. I'm a resident of the Mission, business owner, uh, skateboard. I teach skateboarding for transportation to children in the Mission. Uh, I'm calling in to request that uh, we look into extending the illumination period at Potrero del Sol Skate Park um, to the same limits that are experienced at the tennis facility in Golden Gate Park. Um, there's a very limited number of skate parks that exist in this city to serve our youth and various people who need to recreate and want to recreate in this way after dark. Um, it seems apparent to me that there's disproportionate favorability for, for tennis and the like. Meanwhile, skateboarders are only served until 8.30. If there is a way to extend the illumination period until 10.30, I think we would see a lot of improved social ability for skateboarders and their community in that park. Um, happy to chat with anybody who would like to talk about this. You can reach me at Aaron at CometSkateboards.com, A-A-R-O-N at CometSkateboards.com. I would love to speak with you further about this. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, now seeing no other hands raised on our WebEx, general public comment is closed. We are now on item five, the consent calendar. Commissioners, is there anything you'd like to remove from consent today? 
go ahead, Commissioner Mazzola. Oh, you got to turn your microphone oh, on. Oh, I'd yeah. like to remove item G for a separate vote. Okay, I'll need a second on that motion. Second. <clears throat> All those in favor, state aye. 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 Any opposition? None. And just to clarify, item G is Golden Gate Park Golf Course dash contract amendment. Okay, so we will move to item 5G after the consent calendar. So on the rest of the consent calendar, a motion will be needed to pass it. Oh, but first we'll take public comment. <laughs> yeah, do we have any public comment on removing item G from the consent calendar? Hearing none, public comment on that item is closed. Can we have a vote on the remaining items within the consent calendar? So moved. Second. All those in favor state aye. 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 Any opposition? Consent calendar is approved. All right, we're now on item 5G. Commissioner Mazzola, would you like to make any comments? No comments, just like to have a separate vote on this item. Any questions from the commissioners? Can you just clarify what we would be voting on, Ashley? <clears throat> so this would be um, a contract amendment for the Golden Gate Park Golf Clubhouse, and we pulled that from consent, so we'll take a separate vote on that item. You can have a discussion about it or ask staff any questions. Uh, we can also take public comment on item 5G. And the subject matter of the amendment is to um, increase the contract amount to a little bit over $3.5 million and increase the contract um, term by 220 days. One point of clarification, uh, yes. Madam President. Uh, no, there's no new money involved in this. This is a request to use our, the contingency that was allocated for the project. Thank you. That's a very important point. No new money here. I'd like to move to approve. Do I have a second? Second. All those in favor, state aye. 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 Any opposed? No. All right. Okay, that's Record stands. Six. Six to one. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. Thank you, Commissioner Mazzola. All right, we are now on item six, the San Francisco Zoo with Tanya Peterson. And for those of you standing. Um, Come on into the chairs, there please. Is another, I'm gonna get you some more chairs. So when you see me bring them out, please come sit in them. <laughs> uh, Tanya Peterson, uh, CEO and Executive Director at the San Francisco Zoological Society. Welcome. Uh, welcome. Welcome to our new commissioners. Uh, I run the nonprofit that manages your zoo. Uh, with the zoo's mission of care, connect, and conserve, I wanted to introduce you to a new member of my senior staff, uh, Paulo Vergara. Uh, he is going to oversee our guest connections. This opportunity arose when Chris Connors, our former VP of Operations, retired. Um, Paolo will give you an overview of our guest connections, and he's such a better speaker than I. I'm sure he'll be here for all the next commissions. <laughs> okay, thank you, Tanya. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, for the record, I do have a presentation that we could pop up on the TV, if that's allowed. All right. Is that in the works, Ashley? Mm, perfect, thank you. My name is Paolo Vergara. I'm the Vice President of Guest Connections at the San Francisco Zoo. I've been asked to 
update you today on recent programs and initiatives that we've had at the zoo to positively impact the community and to provide connections uh, to those that live in the 27 zip codes in San Francisco as well as visitors coming into San Francisco. Uh, I take the word connections in my title and on the slideshow very seriously. I'm a San Francisco native, uh, grew up in Noy Valley, spent a lot of time in the Richmond district and I remember coming to the zoo as a child on a field trip and it just floored me and it had a profound impact on me. So part of the fun part about my job is I get to recreate that experience for a new generation of San Franciscans that come into the zoo every single day. So we look at everything we do at the zoo through the lens of our mission, which is on the screen there, and really it boils down to uh, our three C's, which we call, which is to connect, uh, care, and conserve. Uh, and I really focus on a lot of the connection parts to our audience. Uh, there are many different audiences that we have to consider that come into the zoo uh, that require different nuances to form that connection. And I'm going to focus on really two main audiences today, the locals that live in San Francisco and the tourists that come in. And within those two, the diverse communities that make up those two sectors. Okay. So one thing that we have going on right now that I hope many of you in this room have experienced is our annual Boo at the Zoo, which is our Halloween programming. Uh, now, a, a lot of this view this as a very cute thing that we do, uh, but I really view this as a very impactful thing that we do for the community. Because as a safe oasis, uh, for the, all of the districts within San Francisco. Uh, we do see a lot of local media come out to, to support the zoo as we see visitation increase by about 32% during the month of October while this programming is going on. We know that's mostly locals of San Francisco because we see that vast increase by our membership base. And out of our 15,000 members of the zoo, about 6,000 households uh, live within those 27 zip codes of San Francisco. So we know that the community uh, is really uh, connected to the zoo during this time period. It allows us to provide uh, a lot of education and inspiration for the caring of the natural world to these visitors that come in. Uh, and you can see that in the visitation of the guests by, in one of the image, a lot of the children do, do dress up as their favorite animals as they come in. Uh, a lot of it is a mix of uh, I call it edutainment, of education and entertainment in the community, but everything does go through that lens of being able to inspire our community uh, to care for the natural world. So that is going on right now. I please hope that everyone comes to visit. We do have the largest hay maze in San Francisco. Now, besides the local community, we are also uh, very much trying to form connections with tourists that are coming in. And part of that strategy is to partner with the Northern California Concierge Association and the Hotel Council of San Francisco. And we view this as a way to provide our core values that also align with many of the city's core values uh, to visitors that are unfamiliar and allow that to take that home with them and take that San Francisco experience back to wherever they're from. Um, so by partnering with these hotels and the, now the, the NCCA, the Concierge Association, really represents the 27 largest hotels in the region, uh, we are able to form that connection with the 22 to 23 million visitors a year that are coming into the city. Uh, it really provides us an awareness campaign uh, involving the key hospitality influencers uh, within the city. Um, it's the opportunity to reach a broader audience with our conservation messaging uh, and connect tourists to a unique and inspiring experience in a district of the city that many may not put on their schedules and may not be exposed to. So it's able to expand tourism onto the west end of the city uh, and also uh, experience many things in the Richmond and the Sunset District uh, that they may not necessarily have exposure to. 
the Northern California Concierge Association and hoteliers is just one layer of the onion that is necessary for this tactic. We are also partnering and leveraging existing partnerships and forming new ones with the San Francisco uh, Travel Association and the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce. Uh, just last week, we hosted their annual mixer at the zoo and it allowed us to uh, host tourism and hospitality industry leaders for a night of coming together and strengthening our connections. It opened up new partnership opportunities that will enhance the experience to visitors of our city because we are all tiles in one big colorful mosaic that helps make this city great and that helps strengthen a lot of those partnerships to represent the west end of the city very well and to increase the San Francisco tourism impact on those incoming visitors. Um, the feedback has been tremendous. People have said that, that they are very inspired by what the zoo can provide to San Francisco Zoo visitors. And that sense of inspiration leads me to my next slide because I am very inspired by this project, which is our upcoming Gorilla Trek virtual reality theater. Uh, so this is in the pipeline. Uh, this is coming in December. And this uh, helps us include all areas of our, of our mission in a new and engaging way. Uh, I've I told some of you in this committee that uh, I do have a six-year-old at home and I often struggle with ways to get her to retain attention uh, and, and information. She often gets distracted and is looking for new mediums of, of ways to, to learn. And this is uh, an opportunity for us to do this within the community as, as well. So it uses cutting-edge technology in an educational way. We're partnering with a California-based company called Emotion to provide a virtual reality experience at the zoo that, uh, that is award-winning uh, Emmy content about the uh, gorilla uh, habitat preservation in the Rwandan mountains. So I was approached by a few people saying, well, you have gorillas at the zoo. Why do you need a virtual reality experience when they can just take a walk down the pathway and see gorillas themselves? And this is not an opportunity to replace anything. This is an opportunity to enhance that education for our community. So as guests are inspired by the real life gorillas that they see at the zoo, uh, they are able to learn more about gorillas and their natural habitat. But most importantly, they're able to learn how decisions we make at home, uh, at our jobs and our community affect these species halfway across the world. And as San Francisco, as the tip of the spear of conservation and sustainability-minded people, uh, we feel this echoes uh, the city and our values very well. Um, so there are only about a thousand of these girls left in the world, uh, and the impact on their survival is heavily explored. So this is a brand new way that no other zoos in Northern California are, are using to educate their visitors uh, on conservation projects. Now I'm gonna talk a little bit about our DEAI community success stories. Uh, and th this slide didn't originally say community, but I felt it very necessary to include that word in this slide. And I focus on the word community uh, because we think of our audience as a community of individuals rather than the general public. Uh, and we consider uh, three really main things, the geography of where people are from, uh, the identity of these people, who they share a common trait with, and the affinity of these people, uh, who shares common interests. And, and a lot of this approach comes down to knocking down language barriers. So we've done a lot of things within the past 30 days uh, to make sure that we're doing what we can to make sure that guests that are coming in that are not native English speakers uh, are able to experience the zoo and absorb our important conservation messaging uh, to the fullest. 
list. A lot of those involve uh, bilingual guided tours. I mentioned the virtual reality shows, which are a bilingual uh, content format. Our zoo keys, which have been around forever, which everyone always asks me about. Uh, we do have re-recorded our Spanish translations, so guests can do a self-guided tour in Spanish. Uh, we have uh, updated our translation services at admissions, so we now have access through a company called uh, Language Line Solutions. We have access to over 140 languages uh, on demand for interpreting of guests that are coming in. So as San Francisco focuses on international tourism and bringing it back, uh, we can align with that effort and provide those language translations to anyone that's coming in so they understand what the main messages of the zoo are. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I was not aware of. I wouldn't be a good yes. CEO if I didn't try to get the last word. So thank you, Paulo. I know they have a packed agenda today. Welcome to San Francisco thank Zoo. You. And I hope you all visit us. It's great to see such a crowd here at City Hall. Thank you, Paulo. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you to the San Francisco Zoo. Is there any public comment on the San Francisco Zoo report today? Okay, seeing none in the room, do we have any hands raised? And that would be no. Commissioners, do you have anything to say about the zoo report? One, I wanted to con congratulate our new joint zoo chair, Larry Mazzola, Jr. Welcome to the new leadership. Thanks. Um, Paolo, we're really glad to have you on the team. I'm very excited about these initiatives, and I'm really glad that there's so many people in the room here because I hope that you'll think about bringing your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and your nephews because the zoo is, is just wonderful. It's never been better. Um, there have been a lot of wonderful people in the community that have made some great donations. Uh, the zoo really does a good job, too, in its community. I think it's called the AZA, right? Um, you know, looking for opportunities for funding. Um, we really maximize our resources there, and I really want to commend my former Hastings classmate, Tanya Peterson, for the good job that she's been doing. So please come on out to the zoo early and often. Phil. I just wanted, on behalf of the department, Paolo, to extend a really, really warm welcome, and thank you for the detailed uh, report. Obviously, a little bit of a packed agenda today, but um, really appreciate it and excited about um, the AI initiative. Uh, I think there's great potential for that. Um, I just came back from a, a week-long National Parks Conference where this topic is starting to emerge as to how that technology is best used and, and not used in, in parks. Uh, so I'm really going to be curious to see how that, how that launches and look forward to getting to know you. Cheers. Thank you, Phil. All right. We are now on item seven, the Golden Gate Park Music Concourse Spreckles Temple of Music Grant Accept and Expand with Susan Sun. Give me one Welcome, Susan. Thank you. And Stefan, if you want to say anything after Susan, please come on up. Commissioners, and to all the people behind me today, <laughs> the general manager spoke a little bit about some of the music that fills the air across our parks, and I'm here today to talk about music at Golden Gate Park, <coughs> item number seven. Uh, this is the discussion and possible action to recommend that the Board of Supervisors authorize the Rec and Park Commission to accept and expend an in-kind grant from the Parks Alliance, valued at approximately $800,000 for stage and performance improvements at the Spreckles Temple of Music in Golden Gate Park. Uh, 
This is just a few images to showcase some of the performances that have occurred at the band hall. Oh, can you not hear me? How's this? Just speak right into the mic. Yes. Yes, it's an ice cream cone. Okay. Okay. All right, how's that? Okay. Uh, the Sprinkle Step of Music, also known as the Bandshell, is located in the Music Concourse in Golden Gate Park. It was constructed in 1900 and is the oldest structure in the concourse. In 2020, Golden Gate Park celebrated the 150th anniversary of our beloved park, and the department and the San Francisco Parks Alliance were organizing partners to help with festivities to celebrate this milestone. The Bandshell was to be the centerpiece of the year-long festivities, which were canceled because of the pandemic, but during the uncertain times of the pandemic, we realized that the park and the music merged as a powerful gathering space as residents realized how the shared experience of live music could be an opportunity to connect, heal, and support each other. One of the particular goals of the celebration was to honor the history of the Temple of Music and increase activation of the music concourse. In 2020, an artistic and performance lighting and state-of-the-art speaker system was installed under a temporary permit already approved by this commission. Together, these improvements have dramatically enhanced the band shell as a performance space and made it far more accessible to smaller groups and community groups who would like to have performed but might not have the budget to bring in their own sound and lighting. The temporary improvements were funded by the San Francisco Parks Alliance and Illuminate. Here's just an image of the wooden stage extension, which you can see is painted black. It creates more space for performers and brings them closer to the audience. And here's what the band shall look like in the evening prior to the upgrades. It's not very welcoming and exciting looking, looks kind of sad. And with the new lighting system, it replaces that dim lighting we just saw with theatrical lighting that fills the interior with an array of lighting possibilities for colors. Including this is the high quality sound system that is intended to support a wide range of small to mid-sized performances without, again, as I mentioned, bringing in their own equipment. So since August of 2021, Reckon Park has been excited to partner with Reckon Parks uh, the Parks Alliance and Illuminate to celebrate and share the diversity of our city by working with performers and groups across the city with a special focus on underserved neighborhoods. Banshell has been host to over 2,000 performers who have presented over 300 free live music performances for more than 500,000 audience members. This year alone, the space will host 124 free shows. Performers have been international, local, representing every San Francisco supervisorial district, representing poetry, dance, dozens of artists, Cinco de Mayo, Filipino Heritage Day, Jazz Tinth, Bulk Fest, Brazilian Day, Women's Month artists, blues, soul, funk, salsa, rock, and DJ events. The Banshell improvements have enabled the Rec and Park Department to achieve our goal of bringing music back to the concourse, which has become a well-loved attraction for all. Offering a free performance space that features state-of-the-art music has opened opportunities for performers who otherwise would never have dreamed of ever performing in the park. Given the overwhelming success of this installation, the department would like to make permanent the temporary installation of the stage extension and lighting and sound. We presented at the Historic Preservation Commission on August 16th, and this was received enthusiastically and unanimously supported by the commission members. 
We respectfully ask the commission to recommend the Board of Supervisors authorize the department to accept and expend this in-kind grant. Thank you. All right, we'll now move to public comment on item seven. I have a card from Stefan, if you'd like to come on up. And then I think someone mm -hmm. from the Parks Alliance is also here. <clears throat> Given that Stefan is pretty much kind of like staff, he doesn't have to stay till two minutes. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, good morning, good afternoon almost, commissioners. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, extend great welcome to our new president, uh, Commissioner Anderson, President Anderson. Uh, <clears throat> I have watched this commission for many years as a civilian oversight member of Prozac, uh, later chair of Prozac for three years. Uh, got to work intimately with the general manager as well as, as the commission. But today I appear in front of you as someone who has booked 300 performances at the Golden Gate Park Band Show. And let me caveat that by saying 300 free performances at the Golden Gate Park Band Show. Not and one also the performers are paid. All the performers, the production, right? yes. everything, yes. Uh, but the attendees do not pay to attend these shows. 300 free shows since the end of the pandemic could not have been possible without this in-place sound system. Uh, I have been a professional in the entertainment industry for 30 years. I have never seen the type of uh, exposure for groups that are up-and-comers, multiple-generation San Franciscans who have waited their turn to perform on this amazing stage. The equipment that's there is state-of-the-art. Performers, whether small or large, leave that space saying, wow, that was the best sound I've ever had. This is our city. This is where the renaissance of our city happens. It happens with families, hundreds of people for every show, bringing picnics and children to watch and be a part of this amazing music event. I, I don't think this would be possible without the support of the Rec Park Department. I think that the opportunity for the Rec Park Department to own this equipment, to bring the barrier down for any people from any part of the city to perform at this venue is amazing. So it is with that that I would ask you to please consider accepting this as a gift to the city, but as a... Uh, I would call it a blueprint to future success where people can uh, utilize public open space in a different way than they may have in the past. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you. Next public speaker. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Mark Hennon. I'm the Senior Project Manager of Activation at the San Francisco Parks Alliance. The Parks Alliance, we believe, or it's our core mission to partner with communities and public agencies such as yourself to create, sustain, and advocate for parks and public spaces. So in alignment with our mission, we're pleased to give to the city the stage and audio visual equipment improvements made to the band shell for the Golden Gate 150th anniversary celebration. Reemphasizing what Susan had already said, these additions have dramatically enhanced the Banchell's performance spaces, making it accessible for groups who would otherwise not be able to perform there. Um, so we're pleased to see the impact of these wonderful improvements. 
uh, you know, continued by the great work of Illuminate, Stefan Franz, and it's our pleasure to support the Recreation and Park Department for the continuation of free public programming and improve accessibility at this important <laughs> space for music and activation in Golden Gate Park. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the room who'd like to comment on item seven? Seeing none, do we have any hands raised on our WebEx? If you could unmute the caller. Um, my name is Pete Cronowit. I'm a San Francisco-based singer-songwriter. I have five professionally recorded albums. I've toured nationally and internationally. I founded a small group of social justice artists called Face the Music Collective, and I'm a board member for a music industry climate group, Music Declares Emergency. Since August 21, I've performed at the Vanshill several times and assisted Illuminate and Stefan to recruit performers for several shows. One of those shows was organized with a local grassroots climate group to recruit new volunteers for their organizations. Additionally, I lead promotion for the San Francisco Free Folk Festival for the last 10 years. This year was the 47th year for the festival and the first time the festival was at the Bandshell. The festival was a huge success because it was at the Bandshell. Besides perfect weather, some wind, and a few hundred bees, our mail list buzzed, pun intended, with positive feedback about the event because of the professional sound and the venue itself. Possibly for the first time in its existence, that music concourse had music everywhere. The festival held four workshop areas that were full the entire day thanks to the uh, help of uh, Parks and Rec. All of the artists who performed played for the first time at the Vanshell. One of the performers, a guy named Phil Lawrence, said it had been his dream of his to play the Vanshell for 41 years since moving to San Francisco. Another in uh, the band, the Under Trio, finished their set and the cello player up on the stage thanked the festival for fulfilling a dream. You know, how can San Francisco be a city that draws tourists from around the world and keeps artists here in the city and gives joy to residents? Well, artists need this venue. It's, as Stefan uh, so eloquently said, it's steeped in history. Uh, it's uh, performing there, I could tell you from personal experience, is a treasure. For artists to create culture, positivity, and community, we need to have this venue with professional sound and lighting and funding. This is the San Francisco we all want to live in. Thank you. Please do everything in your power to ensure that we keep it going. Thank you. Seeing no further callers, public comment on item seven is closed. Commissioners? Oh, well, I signed up to speak, so I'm going to call me now. Um, <laughs> after hearing some of these comments, I just want to say that our band shell is like our Con Carnegie Hall. You know, I've seen young people who've never had an opportunity to perform in spaces like that go up there and just blow us away. I've seen performers of every age there. You just talked. You just heard from someone that dreamt for 40, 41 years that he wanted to come and play, so he might be in his late 50s or early 60s, you know, we, we just have every age represented. I want to thank our mayor, London Breed, for helping to make this happen and for the Parks Alliance for, and for Illuminate, Ben Davis and his, his board of directors, um, to Phil and the staff and all of Reckon Park and Stefan Franz. I can't express to you enough how important it has been to support music, particularly once COVID started, and to make sure that we pay the performers too. You know, I, I talked about this with Phil and he heard me that we needed to make sure 
that people get paid for their time, you know, that is their treasure, that is their gift to us, but they should be paid for showing up, you know. I'm super happy about that. Um, I closed my restaurant, but during COVID, I was one of the first restaurants in the Bayview and possibly in the city to build the decks and to bring music out there. And the musicians started coming to me because they were desperate to perform. Um, and that was an amazing thing. So they, I know the musicians are so um, excited to be a part of our activation in the band show on all over Golden Gate Park and all over the city, McLaren Park included. It is so important. So I hope that since we have such a huge audience here, you'll, you'll keep that in mind and you'll come out. Because sometimes they're performing to just a handful of people and they do it with such grace. But I would really like to see the audiences grow out there. Thank you. Anyone else? I move that we accept this grant from the San Francisco Park Alliance to enhance the Spreckles Temple of Music experience in Golden Gate Park. Second. All those in favor, state aye. 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 Any opposition? Passes unanimously. Thank you, everyone. Okay, thank you. Um, I think now we're going to have a couple more seats open. So if you could raise your hand if you have a seat open next to you, please. And if you are standing, could you please take a seat? Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to call item eight. <coughs> Excuse me. Before I do, I just want to make one more announcement about public comment. So I have about 30 speaker cards um, on my desk. Um, you're welcome to fill out a blue card if you haven't already, but once I get through all the speaker cards, I will check to see if anyone else has a comment, and you can come up. You don't have to fill out a blue card. Um, also, please speak directly into the microphone, and keep an eye on the timer, which is just on the desk in front of you. It will chime at 30 seconds to give you a warning, and then you'll have 30 more seconds. When it chimes at the end, please be done so that I don't have to be rude because I have a really hard time being rude. Um, it's okay. I'll take care yeah. of Ashley. <laughs> I've told President Anderson this. She will help me be rude. Um, <laughs> so now we'll have staff come up and present item eight, the San Francisco Marina Improvement yeah. and Remediation Project. Just give me a moment. I wanted to do my president's report after. Right. Okay. So um, as, a preface, as a preface to what's about to happen, I, I wanted to say that in case you don't know this, we commissioners appointed by our mayor, we are volunteers. We don't get paid, except for $100 a month stipend, which may or may not uh, cover our parking fees when we come to these meetings and go to events and whatnot. So we're volunteers. Um, it's up to each individual um, commissioner whether or not they have time to meet with people out in the community. And I know some of us have, uh, virtually and in person, and I want to express my gratitude for my fellow commissioners for their time on that. Um, we do our very best to listen to everyone. I know it's my personal mission to make sure that everyone feels heard and respected, and I know my other colleagues are like this as well. Another thing I wanted to say about the band shell was during Fleet Week, there was the Battle of the High School Bands, and there were four beautiful uh, marching and performance bands who came out and performed at the, uh, at the band shell. And I was particularly interested in watching their parents and their supporters. You, you just can't understand the excitement of everyone who's out there supporting their children in these bands and the creativity and the musicianship and the humor 
that um, these young people displayed was amazing during Fleet Week. The other exciting part was is the First Division Marine Band also performed and their jazz ensemble, and they just blew me away. So next year during the Fleet Week, please come out and watch the Battle of the Bands. It's always the Monday following the, the air shows. Um, can't, can't say enough about what an important event that is. Uh, do I have anything else? Let's see. I think that's basically it, other than, again, welcoming our newest commissioners, Brianna and Carrie. Okay. Thank, thank you, President Anderson. Is there any public comment on the president's report? Seeing none, do we have any hands raised? Also seeing none, public comment on the president's report is closed. We're now on item eight, the Marina Improvement and Remediation Project. Good morning, Commissioners, General Manager, Commission Secretary. I am Stacy Bradley, the Director of Capital and Planning. I'm going to start off our item today before handing it over to Monica Scott, our project manager. This project is a historic opportunity <coughs> to carry out an environmental cleanup and implement improvements to the marina that have been decades in the making with three main project goals, environmental remediation, increased access and recreation opportunities for the public, <coughs> and a fiscally sustainable marina. We are constrained by a number of elements for this project as we develop the project description to be analyzed in the environmental review document, which in this case will be an EIR, or Environmental <coughs> Impact Report. Today, we will step you through these constraints, along with the project elements, to define the project description that we will share with the planning department for the EIR before returning back to you with, an environmental, with the environmental review completed and a project description <coughs> for project approval. Our, team, our project team is made up of RPD staff, led by the Capital Division, but in close coordination with our Harbor Master and our project engineer, Moffat & Nickel. In addition, PG&E is leading the remediation component with Haley and Aldrich as their remediation engineer. While this site's history may be familiar to some of you, I would like to quickly review the events that have led to this project and where we are today. A PG&E predecessor, the North Beach Manufactured Gas Plant, or MGP, operated in this area for about 15 years, starting in the late 19th century, until it was damaged in the 1906 earthquake. The area that is the land around the marina today was filled over the early part of the 20th century with the Panama Pacific International Expo in 1915, and then the residential neighborhood development followed. The east and west harbors of the marina were built out by Reckon Park in the 1960s. In 2021, residues from MGP were identified in the east harbor, and the city commenced legal action against PG&E for the cleanup. Over the following 20 years, the city and PG&E were in litigation with various investigations and studies taking place to assess the extent of these residues. The result of this legal action and subsequent investigations is a settlement agreement between the city and PG&E, which was to develop a joint project, this project. The settlement was approved by the Reckon Park Commission, the Board of Supervisors, and the Mayor in 2021. Given the legal nature of the FSA, public outreach is not possible during these negotiations. The settlement agreement identifies these key goals of, for the project in the East Harbor Marina. As I noted earlier, it's to address environmental contamination that is protective of human health and the environment in a holistic manner 
that is based on standard best practice remediation technologies for legacy contaminated sediment. It increases both recreational opportunities and water access amenities for the general public and preserves recreational boating by ensuring long-term operation of the marina by providing fiscal sustainability. The settlement agreement helps the city achieve its goals by addressing the pollution and reinvesting in the marina. The remediation approach must be approved by the water, uh, the water board to ensure that the bay is protected. Once the environmental concerns have been addressed, the project elements being considered will then upgrade and modernize aging marina infrastructure and provide solutions to correct persistent sedimentation issues and minimize long-term maintenance stretching costs. PG&E will initially fund the entire project with the city paying back a portion over time. This allows for investment in the cleanup and in public amenities now, while creating a mechanism for the city to repay through marina operations in the future. The settlement agreement provides funding for remediation and marina restoration activities, including expanded recreational opportunities. Sorry. The target budget amount for the joint project is $130 million, with contingencies up to a total project cost of $190 million. The settlement agreement specifies sharing costs between PG&E and Reckon Park. For the first $160 million of the project, Reckon Park is responsible for 9% of the total. And then for the remaining $30 million, RPD and PG&E will split the cost 50-50. RPD will repay the cost from the project starting at three years post-construction from marina revenues. The repayment will not be subject to interest charges. While we will be discussing um, later in this presentation the numerous benefits we think this project brings to the bay and the marina, the overarching project goals that are guiding this project as defined by the settlement agreement are the environmental remediation, increased public access and amenities, and a fiscally sustainable marina. We are fortunate at this project site to have numerous geographic and community assets, and our project will enhance these for generations to come, while providing the city and the environment with a cleanup that is long overdue. Monica? Thank you. Thank you, Stacy. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, I'm Monica Scott, the Rec and Park project manager for this project, and I'm here today to request direction from the commission to proceed with the environmental review for the Marina Improvement and Remediation Project. The remediation component of this project is regulated by the Regional Water Quality Control Board, or Water Board, and a public meeting to review the draft feasibility studies was held in May of this year. While well, I'll be presenting the following slides about the remediation portion of this project, PG&E and their team of engineers have overseen investigations and studies in the East Harbor over the past decade and have developed the remedial design informed by that data. Ryan Madsen, the PG&E project manager, is here with me today and will be available to answer any additional questions about the remediation aspect of this project. Different remediation alternatives were evaluated in this process, and what was known per those studies as the renovation alternative is the option that is a part of this project. This alternative, which the Water Board has deemed protective of human health and the environment, introduces the least amount of environmental and community disruption and supports the development of new community benefits for the public. 
The preferred remediation plan will address impacted sediments in the East Harbor and outside East Harbor areas to be protective of human health and the environment through dredging and capping. The northern portion of the East Harbor will be dredged and capped below marine, marina operational depths, allowing for future maintenance dredging. In the southern portion of the East Harbor, a protective natural sediment cover over deeper MGP, or manufactured gas plant, residues will be preserved, monitored, and maintained. The currently boomed area marked by the targeted deeper dredge on the figure <clears throat> uh, will be dredged, backfilled, and capped. In addition to the sediment capping, the remedy will include barriers installed along the shoreline to prevent MGP residue migration as an extra layer of protection for bay water. Institutional controls are a component of the remedy, which are administrative and legal requirements to ensure that the remedy continues to be protective. As you can see in the top figure, there has been extensive sampling throughout the former MGP area. The samples show that MGP residues gradually, uh, sorry, uh, generally remains where it was deposited over 100 years ago and is now buried under accumulated sediment cover, as shown in the conceptual cross-section at the bottom of the slide. Groundwater and baywater samples generally show that the MGP residue is not entering baywater. With limited exceptions, the sediment cover is acting to prevent the MGP residue from interacting with people and wildlife. Dredging to marina operational depths would remove this protective cover, leading to potential exposures that need remedial action. The recommended remedy is protective of human health in the environment and addresses 100% of the risks presented by the MGP residue. The remedy includes monitoring and maintaining the existing sediment cover in portions of the site, which limits unnecessary dredging and capping. This approach reduces transportation of contamination through neighborhoods to disposal facilities, which are often located in environmental justice communities. Capping and containing impacted sediments in place is a widely used and accepted remedy. This cleanup technology is approved by the EPA and has been used and studied at more than 100 sites throughout the United States. The Water Board has approved the use of this technology at local sites, including Petrero, India Basin, and Oyster Point. This approach is well suited to conditions at the East Harbor. Engineered sediment caps are, are capable of isolating MGP residues and providing erosion protection and long-term integrity. Existing sediment cover can effectively work as a cap to chemically and physically isolate contamination. In the proposed approach, the cap and existing sediment cover will include a post-remediation monitoring program overseen by the Water Board and would be inspected following impactful events like a significant earthquake to ensure it remains protective. The figure on the right of this slide presents a cross-section of existing conditions at the East Harbor and post-capping conditions in the northern portion of the marina on the right. You can see the remediation includes the removal of accumulated sediment cover and some of the sediment with MGP residue, requiring placement of an engineered cap. The recommended remedy is preferred because it introduces the least amount of environmental and community dis disruption while protecting human health and the environment. The proposed alternative includes 67,700 cubic yards of sediment removal from the East Harbor over two years, while the maximum feasible feasible removal alternative would require 298,000 cubic yards of sediment to be removed and transported off-site from the East Harbor over an eight-year period. While dredging is a key component for the remediation where necessary, one objective is to limit the amount of unnecessary dredging. 
This is because increased dredging can impact the local aquatic habitat and introduce contaminants into the bay waters. Unnecessary dredging also prolongs construction time and its related disruption and impacts. For example, unnecessary dredging means more material will be transported for, to offsite dewatering and landfill facilities. As a reminder, the remediation portion of the project is regulated and will be approved by the Regional Water Quality Control Board. I'm now going to shift gears to the community engagement that has led to the marina design and upland concepts that were shared most recently at our August community meetings. In March 2023, we held two meetings at Moscone Rec Center. Over 150 people attended these meetings, and we received a lot of great feedback on what made the marina special, what folks like to do there, and how it could be improved. As a part of this engagement, we had online and paper surveys that 654 people filled out. Some repeated comments that we heard as community priorities included increased recreation, both active and passive, balancing recreation with nature viewing, celebrating site assets and retaining the site character, and increased water access and boat storage. We also heard that the two things that, most, that excited most people about the marina are improved natural habitat and more recreation activities. As I mentioned earlier, as a part of the Water Board's public process, the draft feasibility studies were presented at a public meeting in May of this year, with PG&E presenting the alternative studied and Rec and Park staff participating in the open house portion of the meeting. Our most recent community engagement were two meetings that were held in August, also held at the Moscone Rec Center. We had 279 attendees and shared more details on the project elements proposed for the marina improvements as well as presented two concepts for the upland and shallow water basin. We used feedback from the spring survey to develop the concept design alternatives, principally the activities that people enjoyed in the marina with nature views, meeting up with other people and exercising rising to the top, along with water-based activities like boating, fishing and regattas. We also heard that the two things that excited most people, oh, sorry, excuse me, we had a survey following this meeting to gather reactions and feedback to the two upland and shallow basin concepts. 171 people responded to this survey and we're still reviewing the results as we move forward in the development of the features that will be included in this area of the project. Additionally, feedback from the community has been delivered in other ways, with direct emails, meetings with key stakeholders like the fuel dock operator, the St. Francis and Golden Gate Yacht Clubs, the Marina Harbor Association, the South End Rowing Club, the Dolphin Club, the Sierra Club, staff from the Smithsonian, and other interested community members. Reckon Park recognizes this is a highly engaged and organized community who are passionate about the marina and recreation opportunities, and who are also invested in the future of the marina for current users and for future generations. The majority of the feedback received from the community included comments about the extension of the West Harbor and the change to the view from the Marina Green, the extent of the remediation, and questions about how the final settlement agreement was developed and approved. With all of this information and all of the project constraints and opportunities in mind, I'll now walk you through the proposed plans for the shallow basin and upland areas, as well as the West and East Harbors of the Marina. Here's a plan view of the Marina today. In this slide, you'll see the proposed framework plan with a primary change being the East Harbor slips relocated to the West Harbor. 
There are three main areas of work for this project. I'll be starting with the southeast corner of the site with a shallow water basin and marina triangle area, followed by a deeper dive into the marine improvements proposed for the West Harbor extension and improved Upper East Harbor. Please note that Reckon Park is working with the San Francisco Capital Planning Committee and the San Francisco Bay Conservation and Development Commission, or BCDC, uh, incorporating established sea level rise projections for the near term and building an adaptive management approach to take the project into the next century. The shallow water basin and upland improvements are an aspect of the project that we've been happy to be able to engage with the community on. Recreation and public access are cornerstones of Reckon Park's mission, and we're excited to be able to make changes to this area that will make it a community space for all to enjoy and have folks who do not own boats gain access to the water. Aside from designing this area to allow water access, we're also going to be reducing the paved portion of the parking lot while retaining the same number of parking stalls to allow for a broader waterfront experience on the shoreline. Boater parking stall counts will remain the same. Please note that the introduction of paid parking is not a part of this project. An additional element of the work in this area are improvements to the existing restroom. The two concepts for the upland area and shallow water basin incorporate the feedback that we heard at the March meetings and survey, as well as productive meetings with groups that hope to utilize this space, like beach volleyball and outrigger canoe. We receive significant community feedback and part of the design process is how to collage these ideas into a cohesive design that captures a range of amenities and experiences. Not all can fit in the space, but by balancing the ideas shared with us, we developed two strategies. We've called these the habitat frame and marina mosaic. In a nutshell, habitat frame prioritizes the desire we heard for increased nature, habitat, and passive recreation. And the marina mosaic is slightly more programmed and defined an alternative that prioritizes active recreation and a more robust approach to water amenities in the shallow water basin. <coughs> However, as you'll see, both concepts share many of the programmatic elements you all highlighted during the, uh, the conversations we had. Please note that in addition to the environmental reviews that this project is subject to, BCDC is one of the main permitting bodies that will be reviewing this project and any final concept designs in the water and along the shoreline are subject to their review for conformance and may evolve over time. Here's a plan for the habitat frame concept. This concept has water access in a launch cove in the southwest corner, a viewing terrace along the southern edge, and to the, to the north, an accessible boating dock. We've softened the water's edge with eco riprap and plantings, and the bay trail is realigned to curve around a nature exploration terrace. In the triangle, we're proposing a large lawn with views of the Golden Gate Bridge, all framed by, by bluff plantings. The existing fitness plaza remains, but is expanded slightly. And in addition, we propose adding one volleyball court to the southeast of the lawn and a picnic area to the northwest. I'll now go through a few existing conditions photos and renderings prepared to illustrate this concept. Here's a view of the existing condition at the southern portion of the East Harbor, looking west toward the Golden Gate Bridge. You can see in the upper right corner of the slides the key plan with a red indicator of where this viewpoint is taken from. From that same vantage point, here's a view from along the viewing terrace, which runs along the southern edge of the basin, looking towards the launch cove and the bay trail and nature exploration area along the western edge. Here's a view of the existing condition, again from the southern portion of the East Harbor, looking north towards Angel Island and Pier 1 of Fort Mason. 
And here's the re-envisioned southern corner of this basin, where there's water access and a launch cove for the small crafts. To the north, we'll have an accessible boating dock with a backdrop of eco-riprap to promote ecological opportunities. Up above, the meandering trail allows for different experiences along the water's edge with gardens and a nature exploration area. Here's a rendering of the nature exploration terrace, bay trail, and softened shoreline. And this is a photo of the existing lawn at the Marina Green Triangle. And lastly, for this concept, here's a rendering of that lawn area with views of the Golden Gate Bridge, all framed by bluff plantings to create some intimacy and buffer from the marine activities and ad adjacent roadway. The second concept for this area is called Marina Mosaic. And as you can see in the plan, it features a larger boating dock along the western side of the basin, which also has a kayak and canoe launch integrated into the dock. In this concept, the widened shoreline allows for a broader multi-use bay trail, while along the southern edge of the basin, there's a stepped terrace with amazing views to the activities in the shallow water basin and an accessible ramp down into the water. The triangle increases the active recreation offerings with two volleyball courts, an expanded fitness area, a larger nature exploration area, and picnic terraces. Similar to the habitat frame strategy, bluff plantings are strategically placed to buffer these activities from the roadway and parking logistics. Here again is a view of the existing conditions from the southern portion of the East Harbor, looking west towards the Golden Gate Bridge. And here's a rendering from the southeast corner of the shallow basin with a boat launch in the foreground and the viewing terraces stepping up to meet the Bay Trail. From these terraces, you can look out and watch life on the water with the remaining boats in the Upper East Harbor in the distance. Here is the view of the existing condition from the southern portion of the East Harbor, looking north again towards Angel Island and Pier 1 of Fort Mason. And this is a view from the boating dock, looking again towards Fort Mason. The integrated kayak and canoe launch is in the background. Here's a rendering showing the view from the perspective of someone in a small craft on the water with the boat dock along the left. And this last rendering of the marina mosaic shows the activity and programming of the triangle with its nature exploration and picnic areas and volleyball court. Lastly, I'll be reviewing the concepts for the West Harbor Extension and East Harbor. The third goal of this project, as Stacy mentioned, is to create a marina that is fiscally sustainable. The marina and its harbors are unique for Reckon Park in that it works on an enterprise model where revenues generated in the marina stay with the marina. For the marina to be sustainable, we closely study the number of boat slips and their layout. During negotiations of the settlement agreement, the city attorney's office hired a consultant to prepare a financial model to ensure the newly rebuilt marina would be solvent and self-sustaining. As our project has progressed into this current phase, we've re-engaged with this consultant to back up our decision-making process to ensure this massive renovation is successful and sustainable. Please keep in mind that the number of slips in this project is not an increase in total slips. The slip count remains approximately the same, while some of the slip dimensions are enlarging to accommodate vessel sizes that are in higher demand in marinas throughout the Bay Area. However, also note the maximum boat size proposed for these slips is 40 feet. Uh, please also note the exact berthing configuration and layout may be modified as the project progresses. Here you can see a detail of the area of the West Harbor where the boats from the lower basin of the East Harbor will be relocated. We're also reinstalling docks off the south side of the jetty that has been taken out due to sedimentation. The se that sedimentation and shoaling is one of the key reasons for the breakwaters protecting this portion of the harbor. 
The breakwaters have been designed to both protect the boats in this extension of the harbour, while also reducing the accumulation of sediment and thus reducing the frequency of dredging, which has been a major financial burden on the marina. Please note that the exact placement of the breakwater at the jetty is still to be determined and we're meeting with the Exploratorium staff to ensure the wave organ remains and is protected. Two-thirds of the breakwater coming off of the marina green is publicly accessible for views and fishing, and we also plan to have a guest dock there. Following the trends in boating technology, we will also have EV charging capability on the docks. And the fuel dock, which is shown in red, which is currently located in the East Harbor, but will be non-functional given the shallow depth, will be relocated and will have two-sided access and deeper depth. The underground fuel storage tanks will be located under the paved parking lot, and the relocation of this area will incorporate modern seismic code compliant improvement measures for the marina green fill that will support the relocated tanks to ensure their integrity during a seismic event. We've also been in communication with the fire department staff and have confirmed with them that the smaller emergency vessels that are currently fueled at the East Harbor fuel dock will retain that ability with a relocated fuel dock. The larger firefighting boats are currently fueled by tanker truck at Fire Station 35 and will continue to do so in the future. We're aware that this area takes up a large part of where youth sailing lessons take place and we're engaging in an ongoing dialogue with the two yacht clubs that offer sailing lessons to attempt to mitigate this impact. The upper portion of the East Harbor will be completely rebuilt in a similar configuration to existing with repair and improvements to the breakwater which will allow for additional pedestrian access and fishing as well as an overlook to Angel Island. We'll also be installing a pile supported wave attenuator west of Pier 1 of Fort Mason to protect both the entry channel and the boats from wave action in the bay that flows under the pier. As I've mentioned earlier, we've heard a lot of feedback from the community about concerns over the impact of the relocation of boats to the West Harbor on the view and experience along this special part of the northern waterfront of San Francisco. These next slides show the site context of the marina on this waterfront, the existing site context, and the proposed future site context. Here you can see an overlay of the types of bay views, both open and partial, along the just over four miles of the northern San Francisco Bay waterfront. We also have called out vista points, open bay access, and protected water access, marinas, piers, and adjacent or nearby public parking lots. And on this slide, we're showing the future site context with a change from open bay views to partial bay views with a relocation of docks along a quarter mile of the marina, leaving two and three quarter miles of the northern bay waterfront to continue to provide open water views. In response to hearing from the community about their concerns over the impact of the relocation of boats from the East Harbor to the West Harbor, these next slides present a visual impact simulation of the boat relocation taken from three different viewpoints. Following these simulations, I'll also share renderings of the new open water views that will be accessible from the new harbor's breakwaters. These um, breakwaters will offer expansive views and the ability to literally be out on the water without a boat. In this view, you can see we're looking towards the bay from the south side of Marina Boulevard at Fillmore Street. While we know that this view is not the most impacted by this change, this view does reflect the experience from the highly used shared use path that runs along Marina Boulevard. Here you can see the current view including the Golden Gate Bridge, the existing boats in the West Harbor, the Green, and the Harbor Master's office. 
And here's a simulation showing the masts and boats in the West Harbor extension and the effects that they have on the views of the various sites that people enjoy from this vantage point. Another location that we know folks tend to gather Excuse for recreation. Me, Monica, yep. Please do not make audible sounds while Monica is presenting. You're welcome to do your hand gestures, but I need you to be respectful of staff. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. <clears throat> As I said, another location we know folks tend to gather for recreation and exercise is the main lawn of the Marina Green. Here's the view to the north today from the eastern end of the Marina Green with the Harbor Master's office on your left. And here's a simulation showing the masts and boats in the eastern portion of the West Harbor Extension as seen from the Marina Green. As you can see, this view is already impacted by the rows of parked cars that are in this lot. The final simulation is one that we've heard loud and clear from the community as the principal view experience that will be impacted by the relocation of boats. The photo is taken from just west of the Harbor Master's office looking towards the Golden Gate Bridge and Marin. In this simulation, you can see the view experience from about the midway point of the West Harbor extension. The boat slips in this area, like in the East Harbor presently, would hold vessels no longer than 40 feet. While we know that this project will have an impact on views, I want to close with these final slides showing the new views and experiences created that the, the new public breakwater overlooks. Fishing will be encouraged from both of these breakwaters. This first one, looking towards Alcatraz, is taken from the breakwater coming off of the Marina Green. 300 feet of this breakwater will be accessible to pedestrians. The second and final rendering shows the overlook to Angel Island and across the bay from the East Harbor breakwater. This overlook is at the end of 420 feet of accessible breakwater. We're currently in this planning and community engagement phase. With a direction from the commission, we will finalize a stable project description for environmental analysis and expect to begin project permitting and environmental reviews and detailed design in 2024, with construction to begin in 2026, lasting approximately four years. As a part of this project, a new EIR will be prepared by the planning department. Once the EIR is complete, we'll return to commission for adoption of CEQA and project approval. I'd like to request the commission to direct staff to proceed with environmental review for the Marina Improvement and Remediation Project. Thank you very much for your time and attention on this complex project. My team and I are happy to respond to any questions you may have. Thank you, Monica. Uh, commissioners, before I move to public comment, is there any clarifying questions or statements you wanna make? Otherwise, I'll move to Commissioner Hallisey, did you want to do that no. now or later? No. Okay. Okay. Not yet. Great. But we might, so keep checking in. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to move to public comments on item eight. For those of you on the WebEx, you can go ahead and dial star three to raise your hand. Um, I'm going to call three names at a time. When I call your name, if you could please stand and speak in that order as much as you you know can pay attention to what I'm saying, um, and you can wait you know either over here or over there, but please be prepared. I'll call groups of three. Uh, as a reminder, please stick to your two minutes. I'll let you finish your sentence, but um, I have word that President Anderson is able to be rude on my behalf. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but look at the the um, the clock in front of you. That'll give you a sense of what your timing is. Um, okay, I'm going to start with Patricia and then Stephanie, and then Aaron. 
and I've double checked and there shouldn't be any duplicative names, so I'm not gonna say your last names. Make sure to also speak directly into the microphone. Thank you. Um, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Patricia Boyd, Marina Calhoun, and Avery's Merchants. I was very disappointed by this presentation. And I can't go into the details because of time. But what's going to happen with this, this is a plan that is an extension of a previous plan that did not work with the breakwaters and for the dredging. Number two, the way this plan is made, this isn't a, just a view issue, this is a tourism economic vitality of the greater city, and this does not work. With this plan, we are denying the non-rich public the right to come with a view of Fleet Week, Blue Angels, Fourth of July, the big and small yacht regattas, but the big one is the little regattas that happen every day and more than once a month. They're the ones that cause us economic vitality for our neighborhood. They bring their families, they go to the uh, Chestnut Street, and that's where we make our money. You're denying our neighborhood the right for economic vitality. And something better must be done, and this plan must be changed. I am very disappointed that we were not brought into the plans at an earlier stage, and I'm particularly disturbed by the fact that with the new technology, better plan was not formed. Thank, Thank you, you, Patricia. I have Stephanie, and then Aaron, and then Laurent. Oh, come on up, Patricia. Patricia number two. Then Stephanie, then Aaron, then Laurent. I don't know which Patricia you were calling. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Patricia, and um, I, I think we all heard how important parks are to San Francisco, and I think it's really impressive the range and the depth of the park programs in San Francisco and the free programs that we offer. Um, and I think that's one reason why I feel so strongly that this project just isn't the right project for uh, the waterfront. I'm very supportive of the environmental cleanup. I think that's critical uh, in San Francisco. I live in the marina, and PG&E has done cleanup in my block. Um, however, having direct access to the bay, where you really get a feel for the water and the natural environment is really important. You can see the seals, you can see the birds fishing, um, you can see the boats and the kids sailing and toppling over, and it creates a very close, intimate environment with nature. And I think while the plan that they laid out sounds great on paper, 
having that big dock where you have to walk out really cuts the access for people who have disabilities or can't walk or uh, older residents because I, I see them. They drive down to where the parking is right by the bay and they're able to sit there and look at the bay. And I've known older people who can't get out of the car, but they're still able to be part of this natural environment of our San Francisco Bay. And basically, I appreciate that Park and Rec or Rec and Park um, needs to be uh, earning income to pay for their programs. But I think the direct trade-off of the public good of access to the bay for people who have boats, a couple hundred people, really is selling out San Francisco and all of the residents here in San Francisco. Thank you. Oh, please no clapping. I, I really appreciate you following the rules. Thanks. I mean, that's the public good Thank that you. we Thank want. Thank you, Patricia. Is that my two that's minutes? That's your time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And Aaron, I urge you to, to vote against this. Thank you. Aaron, and then Lauren, and then Carol. Uh, just one moment, ma'am. We won't take your time. I really appreciate the energy in the room, but if we could just keep it to the, the hand signals, please. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Stephanie, and I'm here to speak on behalf of San Francisco Outrigger Canoe Club, which is for going ahead with an EIR. Um, the shallow basin especially will afford our canoe club, which has been in San Francisco since 1988. Um, will afford us the ability to develop a better youth program, which we did not previously have with our uh, open water, messy water location in the past. Um, it also will give us the opportunity to better serve both our wheelchair, um, amputee, paddlers. Um, now that para paddling is really becoming a thing, we've gotten more. Um, and um, just wanted to... Again, we are for going ahead with an EIR. It will give lots of people a low cost um, ability to get on the water in the future. We've always had low dues. We've always been open to all comers. And so we are positioned to greatly utilize this area and make it very, um, very easy for the public to use it as well. Thank you. Okay, I have Aaron and then Lauren and then Carol. And then Jill. Hi, I'm Erin Roach. I'm one of the organizers of Keep the Waterfront Open, and I'm also a marina resident. Uh, in just a few weeks, we've collected about 6,000 data points showing that people don't want a harbor in front of the Marina Green. And it's especially egregious since the money for it comes from remediation. And I just want to point out, because I can't let this one go, I don't know why every bit of information you're getting is so biased towards building a new harbor. The presentation that Monica Scott just gave, gave you a bald-faced lie. I have the water board's presentation on my phone, and the remediation period for option two, which is rebuild, is four to five years. It's not eight to 10 years. Why? Nobody wants this plan. But I, I did want to tell you today that something struck me in the middle of the night last night because, yes, I do keep stay up at night thinking about this <laughs> and feel responsible to these people in the community. There's something special about the Marina Green, and it's not just that it's a park with a pretty view. It's that it inspires awe, and it's in the middle of a city. And you can't get that anywhere else, and that's why people are so 
passionate about this. We can see pretty views, we can have picnics in different places in the city, but the combination of having that and having it protected for all these years for everyone to enjoy is special and you have something precious in your hands to protect. It's that sense of awe. And I'm, after this presentation, I'm gonna send you a copy of the Water Board presentation, a copy of the 745 signatures since we've gotten since last Wednesday about who doesn't want this, and a copy of uh, The Science of Awe, which I suggest you all get familiar with. Thank you. Okay, I have Lauren, and then Carol, and then Jill. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Lauren Filonenko. I live in the marina. And I would like to make some comments about the financials of, of the project. We are being told the marina is not sustainable. In the 23-24 budget, on a revenue of uh, 4.4 million dollars, the marina is going to lose $6,000. $6,000, so the budget is balanced. So I don't know what the problem really is. And, and if the marina was operating at capacity, it would actually have a surplus. So tell me where the problem is. Now look at the settlement, $130 million, maybe 190, who knows. And in that settlement, $68 million are for remediation. $52 million are for building a new harbor and renovating the East Harbor. The renovation of the East Harbor is slated at $23.9 million. Interestingly, in 2015, RPD issued an RFP to renovate the East Harbor for $6.7 million. So in six years, the renovation cost of the East Arbor went from 6.7 to $23.9 million. What is happening here? You know, I work in a private company. I would go to my board, I would go to my boss, I would be fired for that. I don't know what's happening. This makes no sense. So why would you spend $52 million for a revenue of 4.4, maybe five, maybe six. Is RPD a Silicon Valley startup with unlimited funding? I don't think so. Thank you. Okay. One, one moment, please. For the signs, can you keep the signs down? You can flat, fly them in the hallway, but it's blocking people, plus it's also another form of public comment because we can read your opinion. So if you could just keep the signs down, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we have Carol, and then Jill, and then Maria. Okay. Okay, thanks, Carol. Okay, yep. Hi, um, my name is Carol Drubeck. I actually live on Russian Hill. I do not live in the marina. Um, First, I just want to say how much I appreciate the work of Reckon Park and have enjoyed so many things that Reckon Park has done. Um, but it pains me now to see Reckon Park off, set off on a misguided course, one that would tragically destroy not only a view, but what to me and many, many embodies the heart and soul of this city that I love. Please accept this visual statement that I present as an artist and a photographer. It is my testament 
to a place like no other. Please don't let these images become part of history. Please preserve our city's treasure. That's it. Okay, I have Jill, and then Maria, and then Deanne. The beauty of the Marina Green waterfront is undeniable. Even Google Earth labels it as a large grassy area with iconic views. It is the closest open waterfront to any community in all of San Francisco and is additionally handicap accessible. The combination of breathtaking open vistas and easy close waterfront access only exists off the Marina Green shoreline. It is a San Francisco gem that is cherished by the community and admired by visitors the world over. <clears throat> Outrageous. That is the only word that comes to the forefront of my mind when I think about this proposal. It is outrageous RPD has positioned this proposal as a NIMBY complaint. I reside in a tiny apartment on Bay Street near Aquatic Park. I don't have a view of the waterfront. Every single day and night on my busy street, I suffer through traffic noise, car alarms, emergency sirens, car fumes, etc. The Marina Green waterfront is my sanctuary. It is outrageous RPD does not seem to be motivated by the public's best interests and preference for open waterfront space. The Marina Green is our waterfront, and we will not allow it to be sold off, denying the public's access. It is outrageous a proposal to build a new harbor in front of the Marina Green was ever, conser ever considered, but worse yet, it was engineered into the settlement without any consideration to the obvious detrimental impact on the community and visitors. It is outrageous RPD accepted such a negligible monetary settlement, allowing PG&E to avoid the greater cost of removing more of their toxic pollution. It is outrageous RPD has agreed to require PG&E to only clean up 15% of their toxic waste. And it is outrageous I have to be here to plead that you not build a new boat harbor in front of the Marina Green, which would ruin all of the amazing attributes of this beloved respite. The Marina Green is a priceless, irreplaceable gem, and we should protect it and regard it as such for its inherent significance. I have Maria, and then Deanne, and then Beverly. Is Maria here? Okay, Deanne. Hello. My name is Deanne Delbridge, and I was excited to hear some of the things that came before us. I'm very excited to go and listen to the music after the Fleet Week, which I never even knew about until now. Okay, so RPD's own limited input from a biased survey provided at community meetings showed that 97% of those who attended valued nature views above all else. The most popular choice was natural habitat, not a parking lot for boats. We have attended all of your meetings, and no one has been in favor of this project. I left my apartment for Safeway one day and saw the marina green completely cordoned off with yellow tape and surrounded by police officers. I pulled over and saw a large SUV parked by the water with a man standing on the edge of the water, taking in the sweeping views from Golden Gate 
all the way past Tiburon, Angel Island, Alcatraz, and beyond. He stood there for 15 minutes. That man was the President of the United States. If he were here right now, instead of me talking to each one of you, he would ask you, what will you leave as a legacy to this beautiful city? Okay, that was Deanne, I believe. Okay, so we have Beverly, Diana, and then John. Hi, my name is Beverly. Recreation and Parks have produced many misleading presentations and photos that have reached a limited few. The plans for a new harbor were not presented in the initial flyers and presentations. With an extension of the West Harbor, the breathtaking views from the Marina Green of water, birds, aquatic life, Alcatraz, Angel Island, Berkeley, and Wren County would all go away. We would be looking at fences and walls and large boats and the gates to protect them. I, if this development happens, the Marina Green will be an accessory to the boat harbor. I view this project as something like, what would happen if we had ha been faced with the development of the Marin Headlands? Would we let that go through? or would we stop it now? I view this, this inclusion on the view off the Marine Green, the same thing as building houses on the Marin Headlands. Was the public ever asked if they thought it was okay to divert funds from the PG&E settlement from the cleanup of the East Harbor to building a new marina? Never. Was the public ever asked if they wanted the very unique green, Marina Green views out to the Bay and Bridge obstructed by a parking lot for the toys of wealthy owners. Never. And if you do a real cost analysis of a new harbor there, there's a lot more pollution, there's more dredging, and really, will it pay for itself? I doubt it. Under no circumstances should the access to the marina, open water off the marina green be taken away to establish a parking lot for boats and use the money instead of cleaning up the East Harbor. Thank you. Okay, I have Diana, and then John, and then Kat. Good morning, commissioners. Um, I just have a very short part to present. Uh, I want to point out a few things. Uh, there was very little public input on this project, and the people that they got the, the input from were only 1,000 feet from the cove in the marina area, not 1,000 yards, 1,000 feet. And the RPD mistakenly thought those would be the only ones that would care. At the community meetings we attended, there was only one option that was presented, and that was the boat harbor. In addition, the settlement agreement that proposed a new boat harbor as part of the arrangement was signed during the pandemic, so of course the public had no option for comment or solicitation. Thank you. Okay, John, and then Kat, and then Danny. Good morning, commissioners. My name is John Marr, general manager of the St. Francis Yacht Club. Our club has been a key tenant in Yacht Harbor since 1927. We are a major stakeholder in the harbor's proper design and operation. We value our long-term partnership with Rec and Park and very much appreciate the department's efforts over many years to reach a resolution 
of the East Harbor issues with PG&E. The club needs a functioning and viable harbor in order to conduct its sailing activities and believes its thoughts on Rec and Parks plans should be heard by all involved. At this time, the St. Francis Yacht Club is not able to fully support the plan as currently presented for several reasons. First, we are concerned over the long-term dredging needs since the sheet pile breakwater plan as presented contemplates no need or allowance for maintenance dredging to the required 12-foot average depth at mean low water. We know that the sedimentation happens rapidly. This new plan is largely silent on this topic and when mentioned is overly hopeful that a new configuration will eliminate the need to dredge, relying purely on forecasts. Second, the new plan will have a starkly negative impact on our community outreach and junior sailing programs given the loss of the protected area now east of the jetty. Our ability to teach novices the sport of sailing in relatively calm protected waters will be completely lost. Third, we are concerned that the plan's partial toxic remediation in the East Harbor reflects a half measure and question whether this is really a safe public health approach. Consultant Helly Aldrich, so-called alternative to rebuilding with capping, resulting in a full reuse of the East Harbor should be better explained and explored. It is unclear whether some of the compromise of this approach might eliminate the need for the outside slips. Lastly, to this point, we have still not present, been presented with the budget or financials on how this project will remain sustainable into the future. We hope to better understand Rec and Park's thinking on this specific plan before it moves forward. Thank you. Okay, I have Kat and then Danny and then Steven. Good morning, is this good? So my name is Kat and I know that people have made this point prior, but I want to dispute the idea that this project is only going to impact people living in the marina. For example, I live in Knob Hill at the intersection of Polk and Jackson, and I'm just one of the hundreds of people who use this space to exercise on a daily basis, so every day. And it's impossible to be at the Marina Green and not see residents and visitors building communities, either by picnicking or playing soccer, and like Aaron said earlier, sharing the sense of awe while you're looking at the Golden Gate Bridge and North Bay. And there actually is a science to awe. There was a study done at Berkeley about, eh, about the direct health benefits of it. So the waterfront provides the expected vision of the city, of the city by the bay, not only to residents, but visitors from across the state, across the nation, and across the globe. Also, according to sf.gov, we get about 26 million visitors here every year, which is a lot. So that marina green also belongs to those 26 million people as well. Thank you. Okay, we have Danny, and then Steven, and then Chrissy. Hi, commissioners. So this plan is advertised as one to improve and remediate the existing contamination. But in reality, it's actually exactly the opposite. It is doing a minimal cleanup and actually creating a visual contamination for that area. So what we are doing here, uh, w one thing that also hasn't been mentioned along with, the pro uh, with this project is that the wave organ, which is a very unique feature surrounded on water by all sides in the middle of the city, it's an extremely rare feature, and we lose the 360 degree if the, if the boats are moved to that West Harbor. 
the West Harbor as it is is an absolutely iconic place. Just yesterday there was a news programmer that was broadcasting from there with the Golden Gate Bridge as the background and it is a huge centerpiece for the city and for um, just for the beauty that represents this area. I'm a renter in the neighborhood and making huge sacrifices financially to be able to afford to live here specifically for the iconic and unmatched beauty of the marina waterfront views. I could actually buy a decent used car every month for the rent that I'm paying and to have the experience that I have every day because the experience of walking along that water is that good that it's worth making that sacrifice. Regarding the financial impact to the neighborhood, um, besides the fact that the residents are the ones who are paying most for the view, not the boat owners and the people who are using it the most, um, contaminating those amenities will have a huge impact. So to go lunches, meals, and couples enjoying wine, um, as someone who's lived in that area for quite some time, uh, having the combination of being in a city with areas to sit is a very rare combination. So if no people sit on the, on the bunches that are where the boats are, all the people are sitting on the West Harbor side where there's an unobstructed view. So to improve the fiscal sustainability of the harbor, what we could very well actually be doing is taking money away from Chestnut Street and the people uh, who, there are already a ton of amazing restaurants who go out of business because the economic challenges so are, are significant. So please keep that space open. Okay, I have Steven and then Chrissy and then I have a Patsy. Was that the other Patricia or is that, oh, different, okay. Steven, Chrissy and then Patsy. I don't see a Steven, I see a Chrissy, so go, go for it. Okay. The area of Gashouse Cove, designated as shallow water, has not been carefully considered. The cove is also home to the Laguna Street outfall, a six-foot diameter pipe. When it rains, all sorts of nastiness comes out of that pipe and straight into the bay. The really big storms that we had at the beginning of the year, raw sewage comes out of that pipe, and it has always been that way, and it will remain that way. Today, with this warm weather, if you were down at Gashouse Cove, you would see a haze coming out of that pipe, and you would smell something incredibly awful. As confirmation, I have video of both of those kinds of events that I'm happy to share with you. Also, the natural bottom of Gashouse Cove is not sandy and lovely. It is not like Aquatic Park or Chrissy Field. It is muddy, sticky, and deep. Those renderings of people wading, they would be up to their knees trying to escape the mud. And that's not bad, it's just the nature of the cove. It is not conducive to playing at the water's edge. The area that they've designated to move the fuel dock has not been carefully considered either. For 54 years, we've been in the south corner of Gashouse Cove. It is isolated from other structures, from other boats, from the public. And considering the type of service that we do, that is exactly how it should be. And also, it is the closest place that a boat can access an ambulance. If you move it to what they have projected, it will be three times the distance for a, an injured person to get land help. We have 54 years of proof that that fuel dock is located exactly where it needs to stay. 
Okay, I have Patsy and then Dan, and then I believe President may call for a bio break recess. Okay, go ahead, Patsy. Hi. Um, the proposed use of the south end of Gas House Cove as a water park for paddle boarders and kayakers just doesn't make any sense. First, it's too small. Second, most of the to toxic substances will still be in the cove under a cap. So you don't want people mucking around on the bottom and disturbing it. And third, there are very few kayakers and paddle boarders on the bay. When I look out across the water <coughs> often, I see zero people in kayaks or on paddle boards. And there's no way that installing a kayak launch at Gas House Cove would make up for losing that historic, irreplaceable, much-loved path next to the water that's used by hundreds of people every day, including people in wheelchairs, pushing strollers, using walkers, carrying canes. And, by the way, an RPD-financed kayak launch already exists behind locked gates in West Harbor, which is never used. It's there now. Um, as you've heard before, the waterfront path was designed in 1915 for the Panama Pacific Exposition by the best architects in the country. It was meant to provide respite from the busy hustle bustle of the fair, and it's been doing that for more than 100 years for all residents and tourists. We love to go out there and experience the serenity of the bay. Please don't destroy our history. Please use your power to stop this overwhelmingly unpopular and boneheaded plan. Okay, Dan. This is a black rock from my house, uh, which is about 500 feet from Gas House Cove. Um, this rock contains the same chemicals, the toxic chemicals that you've heard about that are in the bottom of Gas House Cove. Um, I moved away from my house because of this, these chemicals. I couldn't get my house cleaned up enough that I was comfortable to live there. I'm not alone. There's about 10 other people like me, 10 other families that moved away for the same reason. Not everybody moved away. There's a lot more people that are affected by this stuff. Some of them stayed. They were able to get comfortable with this stuff. But none of them, none of those houses, and I believe there's a, in, the, in the neighborhood of 35 or 40 of them now, that have uh, land use covenants on them, which is a prohibition against digging beneath the surface because you don't want to come into contact with this stuff. People don't want to come into contact with it because, well, it's toxic. There's toxic chemicals in here. The EPA says these chemicals will cause um, mutations, birth defects, cancer. So nobody wants this stuff. Some people have agreed to live with it, you know, as long as it's low enough under their house. But you have a chance to do something about it here where there's no people that can deal with that except yourselves. So um, if you don't, uh, why am I showing you this? It's like the theatrics, right? Um, I want you to know that it's real, that this stuff is real. If you don't believe this is real, come down to the cove and look at the oily stuff that bubbles up at low, low tide. You'll know it. And you'll know the chemicals are getting into the water despite what you're hearing. 
please do the right thing. Use the $190 million to do more of the cleanup of this stuff. Thank you. <clears throat> Commission President, did you want to call for a recess now? I'd like to take a, let's make it a three minute stretch break, okay? And we'll be right back. Okay, thanks everybody. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
Donald Persky. And Donald, if you're not ready, who's next? Oh, Donald left. Okay. Mike okay. Berline. I see he's already here. Mike, Mike, JP, and then Ted. Step right up. Uh, the other people, please line up so you're ready to go as soon as the speaker finishes. Thank you. My name is Mike Berline. I'm with Waterfront Open. A settlement agreement that triggered this proposed project includes the phrase, build and maintain community consensus. It's appreciated that there's probably enough legal, legal wiggle room for you to get out of that commitment. That said, and appreciating that the situation's not of your making, please venerate the 1918 creation of the marina and honor the community consensus commitment that was made three years ago. The development of the project concept and schematic in camera did not do any good. Thank you. JP, Thank you. and then Ted, and then apologies for any pronunciation issues here. Fayena, Fay. JP. Oh, Don Persky, did I? Go ahead, yes, Don. Yes, Donald, come on yeah. up. Go ahead, Don. Everyone else, if you heard your name, please line up and be ready. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'd like to start with one word that I think is on everybody's mind here, and that's lunch. Yes. <laughs> I've been here as a San Francisco resident since 1981. I've raised my children here. I have grandchildren. I'm at the Marina Green virtually every day. And if you've ever been there, you know, there's over 25 benches, literally eight or nine feet from the water's edge. And I often sit there and I have my lunch or my coffee and observe. And it's not just the views, it's the wildlife, it's the sea lions and the birds. When I see the pelicans, which were endangered here for over 45 years in California, it's pretty obvious. They come skimming along the water two or three feet above it over at Fort Mason heading west. And as they approach the Marina Green, they soar up 20, 30, 40 feet to dive down and get the anchovies, which are close to shore. And then when they pass the West Harbor, which has the boats and the water's too deep, they're not feeding. I know you're going to do a very high-powered, high-priced environmental impact report, but I'm telling you, this is not rocket science. As a boat owner and fisherman, those pelicans, their life is about to change if you move forward with this and create this disaster. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I have JP and then Ted and then Fayana. JP? Oh, yes, that's correct. Good afternoon, and uh, I'd like to start by congratulating the uh, RPD for making San Francisco the uh, first city where everybody can walk to a park within 10 minutes. So that's great. Thank On you. the other end, this is a terrible project that we are talking about today. 
So maybe hopefully that was just a mistake along the way. Um, <laughs> many things have been said already, so I'll have to uh, uh, shorten the, the, the talk here. Uh, one of the uh, at one of the presentation made by RPD uh, community meeting, uh, it was said that basically RPD wanted to reimagine the whole area. Well, I don't like what I see or imagine, <laughs> okay. because if really it amounts to uh, taking away some 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 wonderful views and wonderful uh, experience for everybody in the city and direct it to only a few that would benefit from this, that, that's not a good vision. This is not what I'm envisioning as the future or reimagining. Um, the marina is fortunate enough to have a large number of really historically significant buildings, architecture, and um, the problem, as it was mentioned earlier, most of them are getting cl close to being centenarian, and you know, like, uh, like uh, people, you get to a stage where things get a little touchy. They need maintenance, they need you know, to see doctors occasionally. I think the RPD should, for the marina, focus on fixing what needs to be fixed. Generally, they are really good things. They just are getting edge, fix them, maintain them, repair them. I think that certainly we should do the full remediation of the East Harbor. That's a must. I mean, that has to be done. The West Harbor, leave it alone. Thank you. People enjoy it the way it is. Keep it that way. Thank you. Thank you. Ted and then Fatima and then Bill. Is that Ted and then Fatima or Fatima? Okay. Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, you have heard an abundance supply of, of evidence and testimony that says why this project needs to be back to the drawing board, back to basics about what it is it's trying to be accomplished that serves the community. It's a tourist destination. It is a family gathering place. It's a place to see the vista of the entire bay. What this project will do is take away about 390 meters of waterfront that today are open to the public to enjoy for that. And there are all of the other financial and other considerations that you've heard. I submit to you that if you decide to go ahead with this project as it is, you have A, stifled the community, and B, you will likely face a... Um, ballot measure asking everyone in San Francisco to vote on this matter, not just the seven of you. Thank you. Okay, next speaker, and then I have Bill, Sharon, and Greg. Hello. If you want to see diversity, you should come to Marino Green, especially on 4th of July, Fleet Week, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of weekends, people from rental apartment, mostly with a family, they come to Marino Green because it has a nice access for open space. So their kids, they can run, they can play soccer, they can play volleyball, and older people, uh, they have a trail to walk. It's flat. 
it's mostly for these, you know, uh, not in shape people. So Rican Park, they want to take this magnificent public from the people and give it to the rich yacht owner. They want to put a yacht harbor at Marino Green. Destroying this magnificent place is just putting a, a hot dog stand on half dome. This is, <laughs> this is the same. Making, this is simple. This is the people of San Francisco against money. These people are fighting. They like what they have. They like the nature. So many, four or 5,000 people, they say, we don't need a yacht harbor at Marina Boulevard, or Marina Green. Just keep it the way it is, and we are happy with what we have. Not only people of Marina, people of the whole world, they come to Marina, they enjoy the view. It has such a healing effect for people to sit by the water. These people that they have, you know, mental problem, they, they come sit by the water on a bench for hours and hours and looking at the water because of the healing effect. So please help us. Don't take it away from us. Thank you. Bill and then Sharon and then Greg. In selecting a location for the 1915 Panama Pacific International Exhibition, the Northern Waterfront won out over Golden Gate Park. An esplanade was planned by infilling a large lagoon to create a vast outdoor area for the public to experience the sweeping panorama afforded by their bayside frontage. The Marina Green was born, becoming a staging device for all kinds of events and activities, including the simple experience of a unique setting. The brochure from the exhibition offers a fairground tour. Quote, Continuing straight ahead, one comes to the edge of, of the spacious yacht harbor and the center of the Grand Esplanade, or marina. Long after the exposition is over, this esplanade, or marina, will remain to grace and enhance the natural beauties of the San Francisco Bay. The historical origins of the word marina describe a coastal area of or by the sea. In other words, the name for the marina neighborhood came from the green itself, not for a place to berth boats due to its commanding, area-defining adjacency to the bay. With this new perspective, the historical importance of Marina Green, it is crucial not to overlook this simple, unassuming stretch of lawn. I would suggest it is important as the Palace of Fine Arts in Fort Mason and should be recognized as a vital exhibition artifact. The Green should remain intact without the intrusion of a new boat harbor to nullify its area-defining relationship to the bay. A 2004 Planning Department EIR references a potential future historic district or cultural landscape for the Marina Green vicinity. Little has been mentioned about the historic significance of the area since, even though it sits between two sites that have already been recognized. This year, the fuel dock was denied legacy status, even though it met the criteria. The time has come for the Marina Green and both harbors to become part of a historic district. A good start would be the restoration of East Harbor but Reckon Park and PG&E honoring their settlement agreement. Marina Green and the bay waters in front of it were a gift to the public, not Reckon Park. 
Sharon, and then Greg, and then Lana. Is there, no, it's okay. Uh, did I call your name? Sharon, I, was, I have to leave at one. Why don't you, uh, Sharon, if you don't mind, oh, come on up. Did you submit a blue card? No. I did. Okay. What was your name? Uh, my name is Helen. Okay, I'll take you out of the pile. Thanks. So, I am in support of not doing anything to Marina Green, um, along with everybody else's testimony. However, if there needs to be consideration for the space to be used it for the public good, I would like to recommend that you investigate making it a memorial to Diane Feinstein and using that iconic spot to represent her legacy, her commitment to both the city, the state, and the country, as well as her involvement in establishing Fleet Week, et cetera. I think it would be worth considering and a very fitting place to honor her. Thank you. Oh, one more thing. Everybody's talking about benches. There, those benches are memorials. There are plaques on all of them. And they represent families, they re represent loved ones. What is the plan for those? And when they were placed, and I imagine at some expense, I, I imagine people expect them to stay where they are and be able to recognize their loved ones and feel their spirit at that particular location. So I think that's really something you need to investigate. Thank you. Sharon, and then Greg, and then Lana. Good afternoon. Um, I don't live in the marina. I was born and raised in San Francisco, and I grew up in a little apartment with no view above Chinatown. So as a kid, I spent a lot of time at the Marina Green. and. We were flying kites and fishing with my dad. He would work all day, and he would, we would go there in the afternoon when he got off work just to relax and breathe that beautiful fresh air and look at that beautiful view, which everybody has talked about. But it is a treasure. And Reckon Park wants one of your aims is to connect the public with nature. This was my joyful connection with nature. Um, these open spaces are vital to those living in the inner city, those with no penthouse views. These are the people who need this wide open sacred space. Please do not destroy it with new boat slips that will only benefit a few privileged boat owners and take away from the rest of us. Please clean up Gashouse Cove, but do not ruin the treasure that is Marina Green. I thank you for your good work and stewardship and pray for your good judgment for us all. Thank you. Greg and then Lana and then Joe. Hi, my name is Greg Blaine. Thank you all for your time and efforts on this board. I want to leave you with two things to consider before your vote today. First, London Breed said that she wanted to let the process play out on this. That's code for her saying to you commissioners, I'm really not sure what to do here. I have an election coming up. Rec and Park are telling me one thing, but a lot of people are not happy, and I get why. This is London Breed's Willie Brown Embarcadero freeway moment. 
We all look at the Embarcadero now and say, well, of course that was the right thing to do. But at the time, Willie Brown faced a lot of pressure and had to make a big decision. It's a hard thing to go against the advice of your staff, but sometimes you have to do it, and London Breed is saying to you, I need the Rec and Park Commission to give me some cover here. Second, I was on a commission here in the city for five years. I learned that sometimes you're just part of the process, or you do a sanity check for the staff to approve things, but every once in a while you get to decide something truly consequential. This is your Embarcadero moment, even if they're trying to convince you that this vote is just about the EIR, it's not. It's about sending a message. One of the filters I used that helped me on the hard ones was 10 or 20 years from now, would I be proud of myself if someone said, your grandpa was one of the people who voted to build this big boat parking lot here? Or would I be proud of myself if they said, your grandpa was one of the people who voted to stop them from building a big boat parking lot here so everyone can walk along here and enjoy this spectacular, spiritually uplifting, uniquely San Francisco Vista forever. I think the latter. I hope you do too. Thank you. Lana and then Joe and then Paula. Is Lana here? Okay, Joe Bravo. Thank you there, Madam President, Commissioners. My name is Joe Bravo. I am a lifelong resident of San Francisco, third generation, and a 35-year 35, 35 boat owner berthed in Gas Harbor and in West Harbor. I think you've heard enough about how this is a project that will block a view that is sacred to just about all this city. I have a handout that I passed out to you that shows you the before and after pictures of what you can expect from this. I showed you also pictures of what a boat parking lot looks like in San Francisco and Gas House, which is exactly what you're trying to build out now. And you can see the boats that are in total neglect and disrepair. But I'm here to actually address the issue that is before you today, and that is what to do about funding or passing on the EIR study. May I make this suggestion to you? Table this. You don't need to pass this. You don't need to act on this today. The Board of Supervisors under Supervisor Peskin is already looking to put the brakes on this. What you could do, and I'm not saying no EIR is necessary, certainly for the area around the uh, um, gas house and the landscaping, that needs an EIR. But the actual blockage of the view, you don't need to pay a consultant to tell you that he's going to come back and say, your view is being blocked. Every person in this room, including everybody up here, knows what that view means. Let's assume for a moment that the expert, the consultants came back and gave you enough information for a negative declaration. Would you still build it? I mean, they could come back and they'd say, there's no sound, there's no noise, there's no pollution, uh, there's no parking problems. You know, we don't see anything wrong, but would you need an EIR, an EIR report to tell you that views blocked? You wouldn't. Thank, Thank you. you. Paula? Thank you. Is Paula here? Okay. Paula, and then Hunter, and then Kimball. Okay. 
Go ahead. You want to... Go ahead. Good Go morning. Ahead. <laughs> good. No, good, good afternoon. afternoon. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, thank you for hearing all of this. I think this room would be triple packed if there was more outreach besides the pieces of paper stapled to um, trees right around the Marina Green. But that said, we implore you to vote no on this issue. Um, you're going to hear it over and over again. I think a deal was made with the devil behind closed doors during COVID. I know it was the devil being PG&E. And P there's, there's no question, PG&E needs to clean up their mess. They polluted the waters. They have people kicked out of their houses. Clean up your mess. But how in the world did that turn into, we're going to build a boat harbor that nobody needs in front of the Marina Green. And, and you're going to love it, and we're going to shove it down your throats. I'm like, no. Everybody we talk to says, how in the world would that happen? Um, Monica Scott, who works very hard, thank you for all your work. But I don't want it to be... This is a spin job to the Rec and Park people who weren't at those meetings. I was at all the meetings. Everyone, except for the nice lady who was talking about the swim club, stood up at these crowded meetings and said, leave the Marina Green alone. Everybody. There literally was no one who said, great idea. And all this talk about, you know, kayaking in circles in the polluted water and isn't that great. We don't care about that. We're not going to put our kids in that water. Don't block our views. Please stop monetizing the Marina Green. Phil Ginsburg, we remember you tried to put a restaurant on the Marina Green. That was a terrible idea. So is this hot dog stand on the dome. I love that. Um, we're ambassadors to the city. I take pictures every day. It's my job on the Marina Green to take pictures. You have a duty to stop this. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Lana, and then Hunter, and then Kimball. I'm actually Laura, but I write oh, badly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think what you've seen here is that a lot of people care very passionately about this. And it's not just the marina neighborhood. You've heard from people from all kinds of neighborhoods that enjoy this area. Um, and we have hundreds of people who have signed up on our website to help fight this. So, you know, it is a big, big deal to us. Um, I also want to point out that the Sierra Club has even come out against this. We haven't even mobilized them yet. So um, I think, you know, what's really important here is that we really want you to go back to the drawing board. You hear that people feel this is a misguided project. We all feel that way. Go back to the drawing board. Reimagine the project, clean up the cove, and forget the harbor. Then talk about an impact study, because you won't have it scoped properly if you go forward at this point, because that just doesn't make any sense. So you save yourself some money, go back, re-envision this project, involve us, let us be part of the solution, and um, then you can design an environmental impact report that makes sense. So I'm just here to say that you know these views represent, they're part of San Francisco's brand. It's one of the most recognized views in the entire world. And you want to put boats in front of it. It just doesn't make any sense. Yes, it needs to be improved. It's derelict right now, but it doesn't need a new boat harbor to improve it. And then people of all socioeconomic backgrounds, all colors, all neighborhoods um, can enjoy it. And at, I was at Fleet Week, and more than 50% of the people were from out of the area. 
all over the Bay Area and out of town. I met someone from New Zealand. So please protect this gem that we have. Thank you. Hunter and then Kimball and then Ann. Um, good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Hunter Cutting, and today I am speaking on behalf of the Sierra Club. Um, the club deeply appreciates the work of Rec and Park staff to address a really tough problem. Thank you very much for the hours spent there. However, the club is deeply concerned about the proposal that's on the table today. It has significant flaws, and it should not be the basis for moving forward. This plan does need to move backward for further work before it goes for environmental review. There are three issues in particular, numerous issues with this project, if you've heard, but there's three issues in particular that the club would like to highlight for you. First, there is no element in the plan to address or mitigate sea level rise. This is an astonishing and wholly inappropriate omission. Um, I was really happy to hear today that staff are talking to BCDC about this issue, but it should be in the plan, right? And the plan should not move forward without that in it. it that's just, it goes against state policy, it goes against BCDC policy, it goes against city policy, it's wholly inappropriate. Second, the uh, Park and Rec Department plan to double birthing fees after redevelopment will dramatically reduce public access to the bay. We appreciate that the department needs to maintain fiscal sustainability of the marina, but there are ways to balance fiscal sustainability with public access. And as an example, I would point to the South Beach Harbor. Both South Beach and the current marina, San Francisco Marina, set birthing rates by linear foot, by the length of the boat, but South Beach uses a linear scale for doing so, charging the biggest boats twice the rate as the smallest boats per linear foot. And then finally, the club is, does not find the analysis of views presented today to be robust. We don't have the information. The, the, the informal illustrations presented today are not a robust basis for making a decision about views. This plan does need to go back, and we ask you to do that. Thank you for your attention today. Kimball, and then Ann, and then Jody. Good afternoon. Kimball Livingston, as Commodore of the Pacific Coast Yachting Association, yachting in this case referring to anything that floats from San Diego to Vancouver, friends, I am not here to advocate for more boat parking. Yay. In fact, I'm here on behalf of the hundreds of San Francisco school kids who learn to sail every year on the San Francisco city front in the only place where we can train beginners, the so-called cove, in the only place where we can reliably continue to seal intermediates, the so-called cove, that indentation on the San Francisco city front between the Wave Organ and mm, Fort Mason, which gives us just enough cover, just enough protection from the current, just enough protection from the wind, that we can put kids on the water. I want to remind you that San Francisco was not built by cowboys. We were built from the sea. That is our heritage. The sailors brought everything around the horn, whether miners, shopkeepers, calico or shovels, school marms, and the mail. <coughs> That's how we built San Francisco. That heritage is mostly lost to most of the citizens of San Francisco, but every year we introduce a few hundred children, school ch children of San Francisco Bay to that heritage. I hear this 
rich yachtsman thing, and okay, that's a nice code. We're not in need of more boat parking on the San Francisco city front. <clears throat> the community at large is not in favor of expanding the marina as it exists. We really appreciate the comments of the residents there. I see all the kids in front of the benches. We're part of their entertainment, but most of all, we're contributing to their development and we'll be cut off at the knees without the code. Thank you. Anne and then Jody, and then I have a few folks that weren't here. I'll just call them out one more time. Maria, Stephen, and Pam. So first, Anne. Thank you. I'm Ann Harvey, and I've been a resident of San Francisco since 1978, when this building was the courthouse. And we moved into the Western Edition a few blocks from here, where my sons were born. We raised them. They were all grown up now. They have one grandson. And this, this, I only found out about this whole project on Sunday when I was walking home from the farmer's market in Fort Mason. This woman read gave me a flyer. And that's how I heard about anything being done. It's shocking to me I didn't hear anything about this whole thing going on. Even though I live, I'd take the bus there and I didn't know about it. It has not been publicized, this project, I'd say, at all. And I agree with everything anyone else has said ahead of me. Um, it's awful. Um, it's a wonderful place for people to walk around and just relax. Views, I don't care about view, visual pollution, I do. I think visual pollution have these boats sitting there. They just parked there. I have a friend who had a boat. It just sat there forever. It didn't do anything. Um, and I was down at, yesterday, I just happened to be down at, in Pilar Point in Half Moon Bay. And I was amazed by the birds I saw. Thousands of pelicans part, you know, sitting around on the, uh, the breakwaters. It was just beautiful to see kind of kind of thing. I'm not into seeing big sights and high up and blue angels, but nature I think is wonderful there, wonderful nature. So please put this back to the drawing board. I don't know why anyone thought of it to begin with. Thank you. Jody, and then I have Maria, Stephen, and Pam. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with all of us today. I know there are a lot of people, and I really, really appreciate your time and energy and, and hearing from all of us. Um, hi, my name is Jody Clark. Um, I'm here on the behalf of the San Francisco Outrigger Canoe Club. Um, bear with me. I'm a little bit nervous. It's my first time speaking at any sort of a public meeting, so thank you for your grace. Welcome. We're a um, loving group here. <laughs> thank you. Um, so I, I think I've been hearing, because I've had the chance to sit through a lot of the testimony this morning, uh, that this issue has kind of been... Uh, characterizes a binary between the sort of wealthy yacht elite and the sort of other perspectives. And so I think someone said just a little bit earlier the uh, reference to kind of the small boats and kayaks and crafts uh, in the water and that, you know, you don't care about that. And I'm here to kind of tell you why you should. Um, so uh, outrigger paddling is an indigenous Hawaiian sport that originated in Polynesia. It was originally used for navigation and since turned into a competitive, uh, competitive sport. Um, here in San Francisco, I've been part of the club for about eight years, but I started paddling in high school where I grew up on the big island of Hawaii. Um, and the sport has done a lot to both preserve that cultural tradition and build a sort of community for folks like me that are sort of a diaspora of Hawaii and to keep a lot of those cultural tra traditions alive. 
Um, so we've been really lucky in the past to have access in different spaces to the waterfront. Um, and we're really optimistic that this project can do a lot to sort of encourage both access to the sport um, and, and help us bring new people in and, and continue uh, this kind of cultural practice. Um, so with that said, I am in support of moving forward with the environmental impact plan and do hope that you consider a lot of the other environmental issues that have been brought up today. But as you do so, I wanted to just make sure that there is space for the voice of groups like, like ours in your consideration and to kind of disrupt this kind of binary conversation. Um, in addition, I think, so what I'm optimistic about is I'm hopeful that this space will both allow us to welcome new people in, it will include access to the water um, that is really low cost, affordable. Um, I wanted to just make sure to mention too that I represent the club as over 50 or 60 people that thank um, you. weren't able to be here today. So thank, thank you. you so much for considering. <clears throat> are, are Maria, Stephen, or Pam here in the room? Okay, come on up. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, I'm a marina resident for just shy of 30 years, and my home view is not of the marina green or of that view. My view of the area that we're talking about is when I go running every morning by that view. And I do think it is an iconic view, not only to the city of San Francisco, but really to the state of California. I think when you have the president of the United States which I think we can all remember when he used to come in on the certain special helicopter and walk out there, he used to take that view in. So I think that's really important to you know, keep that in mind. The other thing I'd like to say is I think I'm possibly maybe the last speaker, that if public comment really means anything to the commission, I really don't understand how you could support this going forward. I just... I think I've been in the meeting, in this meeting, almost the whole time, and um, I think I've heard two, you know, uh, pros for it going forward. I, I might be mistaken, but you'll look at the cards. So I really hope that you'll take a serious look at it and um, and understand that it's not only the marina residents, but I think it's really the city of San Francisco, and more importantly, like the tourists that you know come and visit. They're not here to represent this. They don't even know that's going on, right? We are the city of San Francisco. So thank you. Okay, I don't have any other blue cards. Is there anyone in the room who did not already speak who'd like to have their time? Okay, why don't you go ahead and line up over here. Can you raise your hand if there's anyone else? Okay, you're all standing up, perfect. That just gives me an idea of how many we have left because we have a few people with their hand raised um, remotely. Thank you. Madam President, Commissioners, Mr. Ginsburg, hi. My name is Diane Walton. I have the rare privilege of serving as the president of the Dolphin Club. You have our written testimony. We had some concerns about the readiness of the project going forward. We also have lots of things that we want to contribute to making this project work. So um, as I hear this opportunity that's before you to take this moment in time and think through a couple of the pieces, I just wanted to offer the Dolphin Club um, support for Rethink and um, we'll do what we can to help. Thanks. Okay, why don't um, the next speaker come up? Thank you. 
Uh, I'm Evelyn Gray. I'm, I've been in the city since 1988. Uh, wow. I. I run the website for this Keep the Waterfront Open, and I am overwhelmed by the support and the comments. We have over 2,000 verified opt-in op opposition emails to the Boat Harbor. We have many more than that, who, people who have affirmatively said, I do not want this Boat Harbor. The boat harbor is not a public benefit. Giving away private, giving away public land for private use is not a public benefit. And while I heard in the presentation that the community outreach had 279 people or 600 <coughs> surveys, the 279 people Maybe 2% were in favor. Everybody else was against it. I was at those meetings. In terms of the survey, the only comments you could make were to select. You could not oppose. You could only select among the features that Rec and Park wanted. The Board of, Service, the Board of Super, Supervisors has a resolution in committee right now that asks you to wait. Put a pause on this and get more community input. I think you really got enough here today, but I would agree, we need wider, citywide community input. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for giving me the opportunity, commissioners. Um, I think most of the people who spoke are far more articulate than I. And uh, I'm, I don't want to go there, but I'm, one thing that hasn't come out as clearly until this last speaker spoke was the process. Um, you know, the, that I went to one of the meetings in August, and uh, the description of that was kind of antiseptic here, that there were a lot of vociferous people, and it got at times rude. But it showed the ferocity and the concern that people have for this. Uh, the project team addressed that by saying, we can't unbundle the marina, the, the harbor, and the new slips from the remediation. That was not a card that they could play. And, that, and I further looked at the survey, which I did not finish, after that, to the, that woman's point, that said, I couldn't, I couldn't answer the question that I wanted to be asked. These two things need to be unbundled, and the project team clearly feels hamstrung in offering that as a solution, given the marching orders that they had in the smoke-filled room with PG&E and whomever else they spoke with, and I think that ought to be considered to re-look at this because of all the things that people said more articulately than I. Thank you. Okay, I think, do we have one more speaker? Okay, uh, and then we have a couple people on our WebEx with their hand raised. Hey, y'all again. Um, my name's May Ng, and um, I just want to go on the record because um, um, we've talked a lot about diversity, but no one mentioned that in Monica's presentation there was a picture of the people who attended the meeting, and if you notice, they're all white. And I think I just heard that girl who spoke on behalf of the Canoe Club that this was a debate between the elite and whoever the rest of the people, um, which 
Part of the problem is that if you see only attendees with white people from the marina, of course they think it's the elite. And you know, when you think about the Indian Basin Water Project, you know, and JP Morgan, <coughs> JP Morgan, JP mentioned, um, you know, you guys normally take a local approach, right? It's a 10 minute walk from any house to a park. But the marina is not, and I think the mistake is that your frame of reference is wrong. It's not a local thing. This is a destination for the whole city. So I think you guys need to, this perfect reason why you need to expand your reach and reach out to, to other people of color and other types of organization. Um, you know, somebody mentioned that there's a million tourists that come. Well, you know, the Marina Green is even a ride on the Peloton. So you guys are reaching out to millions of people worldwide. So I think that that's really important. So that's anyway, that's all I wanted to say is go on the record and make sure that you guys think of this bigger and do more outreach. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, um, we're going to move over to our WebEx. Um, Commissioner Anderson, we have seven hands raised there. Okay, go ahead. Please unmute the first caller. Can you hear me? Yes. My name is Jamie Michaels, and I live in the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood, and I weekly walk along and swim in the bay. Also, for over 25 years, I worked at BCDC, whose regulatory approval will be required for the project. When BCDC looked at this project a decade ago, it was problematic, and it still is. And I want to be clear, I no longer work at BCDC. I haven't since 2018. In further evaluating this project, I really want you to consider the following. Why the contaminated East Harbor Basin cannot be fully cleaned up by PG&E? And I want to urge you to know that cost should not be a dictating reason. This kind of cleanup is technically feasible, and it's been done all over the Bay, including at the Marina and Treasure Island, many of our regional ports, and former military and industrial sites. Also, if you have no option but to make the water smaller, you have to know that state law will require you to mitigate in the form of opening the Bay elsewhere. So you have to consider that in your total project cost. People have mentioned impacts to marine mammals and birds, and that should absolutely be considered. Also, how will the existing slip tenants be accommodated at affordable rates at the relocated slips? You also need to do a full 3D analysis to understand this view impact, and that should be shown from the perspective of those walking sitting, driving along the water, and what it looks like to see Alcatraz and across the Bay Hills from the site if there are new slips in front of it. Lastly, I would like to point out that the dredging and disposal needs at this relocated area will likely be as high as they are at the adjacent area. This is an area that has historically high sedimentation rates, and I think you need to really understand what those will be and where material is going to be Thank disposed you. and also what the quality is. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello. Hi. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, my name is John Rivlin, and uh, I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I unfortunately tested positive for COVID earlier this week. 
Um, I'm a homeowner in San Francisco, and I have had boats in the small craft harbor since 1982. I'm an active boater, a member of the St. Francis. As a result, um, I have a pretty broad perspective on the changes being proposed. I'm dead set against this project as currently proposed. Rather than calling this a remediation project, it would be more aptly called an abandonment project, as it proposes to abandon major parts of East Harbor. We cannot afford to abandon slices of our precious waterfront. Our waterfront is a limited resource, and we need to be good stewards of it for future generations. Moreover, it is disingenuous to use money targeted at cleanup to build completely new facilities. There are now exist bioremediation techniques that have been used to clean up hundreds of thousands of sites around the country. Um, these approaches haven't been investigated. These things are possible. The EPA used these techniques, for example, at 2020 Bay Road in Palo Alto with great success. They are very non-disruptive and can be quite successful. Much of the motivation for the current proposal is driven by a desire to make the marina self-sustaining. This will probably require an additional breakwater to resolve the dredging problems in West Harbor, but it does not require the addition of slips. Many marinas in the area of equivalent size to ours are financially viable. If we need to raise the rents, then we should do so. I would be happy to pay what is needed, provided the current shortcomings are resolved rather than temporarily mitigated with chronic dredging. Not that just putting breakwater from the spit south at the current harbor entrance would reclaim 30 slips. I would love to see some detailed financials for the marina. This would allow us to make more concrete suggestions. Thank you. Next Thank speaker. Thank you so much for consideration. Speaker, are you there? Okay, let's move to the next speaker. Hi, my name is Christiana. I'm here as uh, Christiana, could you um, either speak more directly into the microphone? Sure. It's really hard to hear you. Okay, hi, my name is Christiana. I'm here as a representative from San Francisco Outrigger and also uh, to represent um, the allies for disabled kids in San Francisco. We urge you to move forward with the EIR review now. What is being offered at present gives so much more access to the disabled and to uh, people who uh, actively participate in water sports than what's currently there. Thank you. Thank you, next speaker. Hello, my family and I oppose the Maruna Improvement and Remediation Project. We joined nearly 2,700 people who signed a petition opposing this plan. So please abandon this plan for a new yacht harbor in front of the Marina Green and clean up toxins in Gas House Cove and please renegotiate settlement with PG&E to use funding for restoring and maintaining existing East Harbor facilities. The current plan provides a nominal amount of dredging and leaves 85% of the toxic waste in place. Bay Area residents and visitors from all over the world come to the marina to enjoy the view. These gorgeous views that attract millions in revenue generating tourism will be forever eliminated by building a big yacht harbor across from the entire marina green. Thank you. Thank you, next speaker. Hi, 
My name is Dmitry Kazansky. I'm a resident in the marina, a homeowner. Um, I walk on Marina Green uh, probably at least four or five times a week with my dog and then also with my now one-year-old son. I look forward to the day when he can play uh, soccer on Marina Green, and I hope I can enjoy the views that are currently offered without the additional boat harbor. Um, I'll, I'll echo a lot of the comments that have been said today. I don't think this is a good plan. I don't think enough re outreach was done, and I urge the commission to not approve moving on with the EIR. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Risley Sams. I was born and raised in San Francisco. I'm the president of the San Francisco Marina Yacht Harbor Association, and I am a sailor and have been basically sailing boats since I was a kid. I dealt with a lot of the youth sailing programs that uh, Kimball Livingston spoke about, and sailing is a part of our bay. In fact, um, most of the people from the East Coast who came from the Gold Rush came on a sailboat. The fact is, is that we have a great harbor, we've had a great harbor, but we need to continue to keep slips here so that boaters can continue to enjoy the harbor. And as the woman who spoke from um, the Outrigger Association said that we'll provide a lot more access for other people to access the harbor in their new view. So we as the San Francisco Marina Harbor Association actually support this remediation project and we want it, this project to move forward for the good of the bay, the youth sailing programs that are out there, and for people to be able to access the water. Thank you. Okay, President Anderson, that was our last speaker. So seeing no other public comment, public comment is now closed. Thank you so much and thanks everyone for their time and their comments. Um, I would like to give my fellow commissioners an opportunity to ask questions. Um, I uh, would like to ask a couple of questions and then I'll turn to Commissioner Hallisey. Um, so Monica, Scott, if you could come forward please and feel free to uh, take my question <laughs> and go back. I just want a clear clarification and information on the data on remediation of the East Harbor. Um, I'm going to give you some little bullet points, okay? Um, could you uh, also show us the walking trail? I believe there were con there were um, initial design thoughts on the walking the bay trail, and um, kind of comment on ADA access. And um, if we could also see again the publicly accessible breakwaters. Uh, Commissioner Hallisey, did you also have questions? I do. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm the chair of the Capitol Committee, and on Wednesday, October 4th, uh, Commissioner Wintraub and I saw many of you, heard many of you, and I see many of you and hear many of you again today, and I've got to tell you I admire and respect you. I told you that at Capitol, I'm telling you today. I really appreciate everybody coming down here, some of you for the second time, to chime in on this topic. Um, I do want to remind everybody today, though, that the only thing that's being voted on is the environmental review. Now, Stacy Bradley, could you come to the mic, please, Stacy? 
Now, I called up Stacy because uh, she's the director of capital and planning for this great department. And Stacy, I just want to confirm if this environmental review passes here today, the commission is guaranteed that this item returns to us for concept design approval before it goes any further. That's right. The, sorry. Um, that's right. The item today is to move forward with environmental review to get you all of the information that you need to make the, a call on the project. Very good. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Stacy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Commissioner Hallisey. Go ahead, Monica. Thank okay, you. Sure. D did you understand, or do I need to refresh? Uh, oh, I anything? got that. Yep. Okay. Um, let me just. Uh, can I pull up the slide deck? SFGovTV, can you put the slides up? And Commissioner, feel free to interject if I'm not responding um, to your question sufficiently. Okay. Um, I also will probably call up um, Ryan Matson from PG&E to provide a response as well to clarify anything. Absolutely. Um, so this is the slide showing the overview of the remediation. Um, I want to, let's see if I can get this to... I believe the question may be around this slide and the data presented on this slide, uh, questioning why it differs from what was presented in the feasibility studies. That and also the amount of money that is going to be spent and it's a percentage of the project. Okay. So I'd like that number too. What is the number that is the percentage of the project for the East Harbor remediation? I believe okay. the East Harbor remediation is 67 million. Is that correct? Um, I believe that's correct. Perhaps one of my uh, colleagues with access to the FSA can report back. Uh, that is the uh, project budget as determined in the FSA. Um, yeah. So we can confirm that. Um, but I wanted to address the uh, concern that what was shown on this slide with the amount of material to be removed and as yes, well as too. the duration to be for that remediation effort. Um, so this slide was prepared to respond to what we heard from the community over concern that we were not removing the maximum amount feasible. That's the, the column on the right, the maximum feasible alternative. The preferred remedy is what's known in the um, feasibility study as, um, I'm sorry, renovate is what's shown in that column on the left at 67,000 uh, cubic yards of material. The, Rebuild alternative, um, which was also studied in the in the feasibility studies, has a an amount that's somewhat in between that. And um, Ryan, if you don't mind coming up to share the details on that. Um, okay. Now I just want to I want to sure. clarify what you're doing and amplify what you're doing. Ryan's going to come up here and talk about something that we don't see in this that's, chart. That's correct. Okay. So there's the East Harbor. Remediation, there's the preferred remedy, which we also call renovate. 
There's the maximum feasible. It's like scorched earth. We're going to get in there and take everything out, which has its own sets of problems, right? And then Ryan's going to talk about rebuild. Correct. Correct. Okay. And those. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, and let me just say that um, following the water board's uh, meeting, they have um, there was a comment period for that, and we the, the Parks Department project website linked to those feasibility studies announced the public meeting, and we also published on our website uh, the water board issued FAQs on the response to comments in anticipation of their re formal response to comments. Thank you so much. Hello, Ryan. Please introduce yourself to all of us. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Ryan Matson. I am the project manager for Pacific Gas and Electric for the remediation element of this project. Okay. Um, so thanks, Monica. To address the, the question asked, uh, we put, put together a feasibility study. There were four alternatives in it. No action, which is basically do nothing. A rebuild alternative and a renovation alternative and a maximum feasible removal. The water board, after public uh, review, has indicated that three of the four of those are acceptable. The one that is not is no action. Uh, so what is presented in our slides, as Monica said, uh, because there had been a lot of public comment saying, uh, comparing what we were doing uh, in this project the renovation alternative versus the maximum feasible removal. That was what was put on the table. Um, the rebuild is kind of an in-between project. Uh, so we were looking at the cubic yardage of that. It's 157,700 cubic yards and four years of time frame for cleanup. So if we were to slot that in, that's what it would be. Okay, thank you. And um, let me see if one of my colleagues will maybe text me to confirm the budget amount uh, for the remediation. Yeah, you can come back. Okay, Fine. great. Um, but I can address uh, the question around the Bay Trail as well as ADA access. Yeah, um, I'd like to just see again because some people were commenting on whether or not there might be access for people who are otherly abled or in wheelchairs. And it, in my mind, I think that would be increased, but I could be wrong about that. That's correct. So, oh, sorry. So it's a little faint um, to see, but the Bay Trail, um, which is an established, regulated um, recreational path um, that I'm, I'm is under the purview of BCDC, runs along the coastline. Here, it's shown in a in an orange line, and what we are proposing is along the Marina Triangle, increasing the width of that path. Currently, it had been constrained uh, due to the embankment of riprap going down into the shallow, into the uh, lower portion of the East Harbor. And that is accessible. That has stringent ADA reviews for any improvements along there, um, be it a bench, be it a drinking fountain. Um, and so this project, we believe, actually enhances that experience from the water's edge. And I'd like to also switch to the slide that shows And before you do, sorry oh, to interrupt, sure. but from what I can tell when we look at the screen over here, starting at the lower right, 
There's um, an angled line that's orange, golden in color, and it goes all the way along the shoreline, all the way across, correct? That's correct. And that is ADA accessible. That, uh, yes, that is my understanding that that is. Well, I can tell you it is because I walk it three times a week. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. And um, the connection point <coughs> to those accessible breakwaters with those viewpoints would be from the Bay Trail. So that would also, we would be required and uh, it's definitely a goal of the project to have those be as accessible as possible and those can easily be um, ADA accessible. Additionally, I'm gonna switch to the slide showing the um, shallow water basin. Yeah. <clears throat> so the boating dock in this example um, has a ramp down to it that's at a gentle grade um, to allow for that same accessibility standard to be met. Are you talking about in almost the center, a little bit right of center? Okay. Right on the, on the western edge there. Maybe if somebody wants to point it out, that'd be m m most appreciated there on that screen. I want to make sure we're all looking at the right spot. I can't see a cursor. Is there a cursor? Yeah. It's a real, really small cursor. Sorry. <clears throat> I can see it on here, but I can't see it over there. That's all. And um, the viewing terrace and launch cove area is also designed to be as accessible as it can be. That This would require further study. Mm -hmm. um, but the accessible uh, access to the water would be from that boating dock for sure. Now, sometimes you say require further study. Does the environmental review process allow that? Invi the, and maybe Stacy can jump in here on this. I believe that ADA access is something that our projects, all of our projects, are subject to review by a disability access coordinator. Okay. The EIR would be a separate um, okay, study of, of the access. Got it. And publicly accessible breakwaters. I yes, think I touched on that. Or, or I'll show those slides again. Yeah, I'd love to see those again, please. <clears throat> and can you please tell us, for the layperson like myself, what is a breakwater? I'm proud to say that I can now say what a breakwater is myself after <laughs> becoming a project manager for this. Uh, so a breakwater is literally a, the, there's different um, types of them. What we are proposing here are called sheet pile wall breakwaters. That means there's a connection from the surface of the water all the way down to the seabed. And the purpose of these is actually threefold in this case, um, in addition to preventing the sedimentation from entering the bay, uh, sorry, from entering the harbor, they also um, block the wave action and wave overtopping, and that actually comes into play um, with sea level rise and climate change. The construction of the breakwaters as we currently have them mitigate for what's anticipated for overtopping with projected sea level rise. There were recently issued FEMA insurance maps for the entire area, and that's a whole other can of worms that we don't need to get into, but that's the third function of them. Um, and 
Excuse me. I, yeah, you, you, it's okay, please, Dan. Please, I'm getting there. Just let let Monica talk. Yeah, please. and so in this case, um, and this is an item that we did expand upon uh, from the March meetings in the um, settlement agreement. I, I'd have to double check, but there was no call specifically for pedestrian accessible breakwater. This addition of this and the inclusion of this in the project scope, because there is added cost with having these be accessible, was in response to what we heard about the concerns on the view impact. Yeah. This allows a view, an unobstructed view. Correct. This thing that the lady is sitting on is at the top of the breakwater? That is the end point of the breakwater that's pedestrian, uh, pedestrian accessible. Okay. I'm sorry, ma'am. Can you please sit down? No, can you please? Thank you. <laughs> sorry. All right. Um, is there another image that you can show us of breakwater as envisioned? So this is the view from the East Harbor breakwater. Uh, which is currently in place, but a part of the project is to repair and upgrade it and the addition of having it be pedestrian accessible. Okay, and the way you can tell where that is besides the view that the people are looking at is if you look in the top right on the screen up here, you can see a little red arrow and that's pointing to the fact that that's an East Harbor breakwater, correct? That's correct, yep. The view is taken from that like view cone, if you can. Is that the only one? These are the two, yes, we have one view taken from each of the two breakwaters. That's the only breakwater? No, this is um, the one off the East Harbor. Okay. And this is the one looking um, from the breakwater that extends from the Marina Green. Okay. I believe that our city attorney can also help with the question that I asked on the money that's being spent for the remediation, if you're done with answering my question. Sure, I just pulled up again the site plan that shows those breakwaters. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. You can leave that up. Yep. Thanks. Manu, would you do me a favor and tell me about the money that's going to be used to rebuild the East Harbor? So the, per the FSA budget, uh, which combines planning and environmental costs for the entire project, yeah. the East Harbor remediation costs uh, for both soft costs, which is design, project management, as well as construction, is $67.9 million. Mm -hmm. And the soft cost design and construction for the new fuel dock East Harbor Public Amenities and West Harbor Improvements is at $54 million. Great, thank you. It, I saw it in the materials. Okay, thank you. Did you get to say everything you wanted to say in response to my questions? Um, yes, I would say that the, in addition to the breakwaters, the dredging and the dredging concerns, um, these breakwaters when we say the fees that are involved with dredging, we're talking in the millions of dollars. And to this point, for the, I believe it's the last four years, the general fund of Reckon Park has been subsidizing the marina by approximately $4 million. And that is truly the goal that we're trying to move away from when we talk about financial sustainability for the marina. 
Dredging from Rec and Park funds has been about $4 million. The money for both dredging and marina operations? Yes. Correct. Okay. Manu, thank you. Hi. Hi. <clears throat> could, you, could you repeat your question to me? Um, I was wondering if you could share uh, about the money that we're going to need to spend rebuilding the East Harbor because it's been sort of a core issue on all of this. So. Sure. There, there's a financial sustainability piece as well as what actually needs to be spent, right? Uh, right. Maybe I can give just a minute of background about the settlement. That would be and great. And the process for that. Thank you. So, um, as was mentioned earlier in the presentation, uh, our office filed suit many years ago to start trying to address this. Um, and for many years, um, there were um, disagreements about not merely who's responsible for cleaning up pollution, but perhaps more significantly, who's responsible for building, putting it back together. Um, because uh, there was concern about being in a situation where even if pg e had agreed to clean up the harbor, because that was its responsibility, it wasn't necessarily agreeing at the time to put it back together, or maybe there was, there was a lack of clarity around what should be put back together. The same thing, a different thing, bringing it up to code. It's a complicated question. Uh, that is part of what the settlement was meant to resolve. Uh, the settlement does not specify a particular design for the marina. Uh, what it does is it creates a funding mechanism with PG&E paying effectively up to $160 million for the planning, design, review, outreach, and ultimately, if approved by the commission and the city, construction of a marina. Um, so this is the, the sort of decision on whether to commence environmental review, I think going back to Commissioner Hallisey's comment, is the start of a process that's legally required if the city is going to move forward on anything. Uh, no action is not an option from the Water Quality Board's perspective. So some sort of action is required and some sort of environmental review is a necessary step in that. And uh, directing uh, the start of environmental review and completing environmental review uh, does not limit the commission's discretion at a later point to decide actually what should get rebuilt there, if anything. That's when we get to the concept design plans, and there'll be more public hearing around that. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Okay, yes, I'm going to get to you. <laughs> okay, hold on. I just want to make sure I don't have a follow-up for Manu before I forget. Okay. All right, I'd like to um, call on Commissioner Louie, please. So, so Manu and Monica, um, thanks for presenting, and Stacy. Um, so we just, I we just want clarification that we are voting on moving the project forward to just a review, or or just a EIR, an environmental impact report, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And this report is not based on the design that is being uh, shown to us, all of us today. 
So the study would incorporate this layout in its study, those elements, relocating boats, making an accessible breakwater, all of the key components would be studied under the environmental impact report and study. There would also be alternatives studied, however, similar to the water board uh, feasibility study where there's different alternatives. And there is room for shifting of the project uh, scope within that process. So my question is, should involving the public, everything we heard, should we, should the department come up with a new design? Would that affect the EIR that we're voting on today? If, if, I, if I can maybe <laughs> clarify one thing, um, I don't believe the commission today is uh, making the findings that happened at the end of the EIR process. As I understand it, the question is whether you begin the process of seeking environmental review. Right, but it re studies are done based on what? You know, what we're looking at. Um, and if we, if we ask the department to maybe offer some alternative designs based on the public comments that we heard and the community meetings that we attended, will that affect the EIR report? We can incorporate changes to the project description as to um, evaluate different alternatives and options so that we, um, when we bring this back to you, there will be um, alternatives, there will be alternatives studied in the um, project. So alternative studies like where we're going to move the East Harbor and the slips? Yes, so it's, uh, you know, what we're looking for is um, consensus around the project description so that we can move forward with the base project. We can incorporate different variants um, in the base project. We can also make some modifications to the project description um, to align with the feedback that we're hearing today. You know, so we just want to say that, you know, even long before the two supervisors jumped in and got on board last week, many of us that are sitting here have been engaged in this project. Um, we, we do listen and we hear. And we've read all your letters and, and everything. So we just want to let you know that, you know, nothing that we hear goes below the wayside. And so we, 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 we understand that, you know, there, we all agree that the remediation needs to be done, you know. But having, you know, the job of cleaning up toxic sludge in, in you know, one side of the marina and, and then where to move the small craft slips and to keep it, could, to keep the, the, it's sustainable for the department, you know, and, and whether the fuel dock is dangerous or not. Um, you know, it's it just so many moving parts. So I just want a clarification today for us what we're voting on on the EIR um, environmental impact report, by the way, provides the public uh, and the decision makers with a detailed information about the project's environmental effects. And it's a way to minimize the project's um, significant uh, environmental effects. So my, and to see 
hopefully there's room for alternatives in the project design. But I, I just want to make sure that we understand what we're voting on still does allow us to work with you and for you to come up with some alternatives. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Louie. Commissioner Mazzola. Thank you. Um, I also want to thank the, uh, the public for being out here today and making your comments and the, the people that called in. Uh, it's very important to hear uh, from you because this affects you the most. Um, with that being said, um, you know, there's a serious infrastructure issue going on here that needs to be addressed, and that's why I feel they need an environmental analysis. Um, and like was said earlier, this is just step one, and the concept plan will be back to us. Um, and I would, I would like, because of the, what we heard today, I would like to ask staff if, if you could do an analysis on the fewest amount of slips that we could possibly get by with to manage the facility um, without using any general fund money. And that's important to me. I don't support using any general fund money on this project. Um, that will mean less services and uh, less workers everywhere else. And I rep represent workers all over the city, so I wouldn't want that to happen. But I would like to see if you can do an analysis to mitigate some of the concerns that we're hearing today on the fewest amount of slips that we could do. Um, the other question I had, does this, how does this plan interact with, or does it not, the seawall project? The Ports Seawall Project. The Ports Seawall Project. Does it extend through Chrissy Field? And is it, does, does it, is that part of this or will it be in the future? So um, the Seawall Project by the Port stops at the end of Ports Jurisdiction, which in this case is, does not include the marina okay. in Chrissy Field. Okay. I didn't see it in the packet so when I the, read through the packet, but I just wanted to ask. The reason for that, I've talked to the port about this, is because that is where the most immediate need is. Um, the area that is controlled by the port is at highest risk, um, and then the areas uh, to the north and the south are, um, you know, next in line to be analyzed. So they needed to, the city needed to create a, an area that the Army Corps, to work with the Army Corps on this analysis, they picked the area that's most at risk. Got it. Okay, and then on the question of his first question. Yes, and yes, thank you for that question. We will absolutely look and, see, and confirm that the financial analysis is creating, yeah. uh, that we are using the fewest number of slips possible based on the financial analysis, and we will be um, updating it with the current information that we have. And I heard that you have a consultant online for this we very do, thing. yes. Okay. Yes. One more question, Kat? Uh, yes, Commissioner Mazzola, please. Um, President, um, on the seawall thing, will, so will the EIR consider sea level rise? Sea level rise. Uh, do you want to answer how the project? Well, the project will incorporate the project will incorporate elements. Um, do you want to talk about the elements? How the project accounts for sea level rise? Well, she already talked about the sure. The floating. Yeah, I think separately though. The, with the EIR, the question being more, would the EIR also study the impacts of sea level rise 
I believe the answer is yes, because it would be looking at the sustainability of this project, the lifespan of this project, as the benefit to the community. But the specific analysis of the project, the um, San Francisco Capital Planning Division um, has a sea level rise checklist that all projects that are within certain zones of the city have to uh, submit to, to ensure that we are accounting for sea level rise and planning for it in the design. We don't want to build something that will be underwater in a short time. Exactly. All right. Apologies for not understanding your question. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the, um, it will, the EIR will look to see if the project exacerbates um, sea level rise. That's how to, yeah. Okay, thank you. I just want to end thank you. Um, by saying that I sympathize with everybody that spoke today. I really do. But I think this is a serious infrastructure issue that needs um, an analysis and I don't want to delay this but I want to I want to come out of here knowing that staff is going to review uh, what we asked as far as the slips and hopefully we can come to a better spot where people are more more comfortable about this so thank you I'm sorry Excuse public me. comment is not occurring right now Deanne so please respect the process Deanne I'm gonna to have to ask you to leave if you can't pipe down um, so I'm looking at the materials that have been presented to us and there are a number of agencies that are going to be involved in the final design which includes the United, the, the, the US EPA, the, Nat the National Park Service, and then there's an alphabet soup, USACE, Army Corps of Engineers, okay, RWQCB, Regional Water Quality Control Board, CDFW, um, Fish and Wildlife, California. sorry, California. San Francisco Bay Conservation and Development Commission, State Lands Commission, Golden Gate National Recre Area. Um, it just goes on and on and on. We are just a, a tiny piece of this, so I, I want all of my neighbors to know this is going to be looked at, you know, 18 different ways to Sunday. All right. We're just sending, we're just contemplating sending this to environmental review and my concern like many of you is is it going to be a real review and yes it is going to be a real review with many regulatory agencies involved I don't spend the money on something we don't excuse me to members of the public please respect that there is no so public I don't have currently. any other questions from commissioners um, so I think we need to decide um, Anita, do you want to request, are you speaking or what? Okay. Um, okay, go ahead, Commissioner Louie. Is it Manu and President Anderson? Um, it behooves us to maybe, before we vote, that is there, um, would it be proper or improper that maybe I could make a motion to amend the resolution to... Um, Move it forth to the environmental review, but to include some language, um, such as a requirement for the department and the staff to offer um, some alternative designs uh, while evaluating uh, a financial analysis as to as to maybe um, how just how many slips that the maximum that we can retain in the East Harbor. 
and you know and or maybe consider an alternate location while we are in the project design i i just think it's in all fairness to to all we've heard uh, this is manu uh sure i would kind of defer to staff a little bit on the specifics of how to do the environmental review but generally speaking as a legal matter the environmental review process is supposed to consider alternatives. So, I mean, I would sort of presume that staff already also, was going to do that. If I could just clarify, I think maybe the nugget here is going back and looking again at what is the m maximum number of slips we can keep in the East Harbor, because that will roll into what happens on the West side. Mm -hmm. Right, and the minimum number of slips Exactly. In total, plus the minimum number of slips in the West Harbor. Yeah. So I, I as, in terms of an amendment, I would support an amendment that sends this to environmental review with a little extra information about maximum number of slips in the East Harbor done separately. Does that make sense? Help me out done, here. I'm you, sorry. You're the expert, <laughs> done so help separately me out here. from the EIR. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> yeah. can certainly come back with an informational item to share yes. um, this information. Okay. If that would be helpful. So I don't I, know if we need to do an amendment. Right, and, and if I can just clarify my earlier comment, I, I, I don't think there's a legal need for the environmental analysis of alternatives to be done separately because okay. the in analysis will consider alternatives. So, Commissioner right. Louis, could we keep it as it is and ask staff to look at this maximum number of slips in the East Harbor question? I just want to acknowledge that we are listening to what the public is saying, not just the public here today. We have listened for months. And, and I really believe that this project needs more study and evaluation. I'd like to welcome the community and all of us here. But I think I just want it for the record. Commissioner, if I may, Sarah Madlin, Director of Policy and Public Affairs, and I deal with legislation all the time. Um, I, what I hear you saying is you would like to, uh, the motion that is, if the, uh, there's not been a motion made yet, but if someone makes a motion to approve this, you would like to include in that a requirement for staff to evaluate in the project and the financial feasibility of keeping as many slips as possible in the East. Um, that is... Absolutely, I'm looking at our commission secretary. I think if there's a motion and that is voted on, that is something that she can absolutely do, and it is something that we will do in the process um, and will be presented to you when we are back with the information that gained from the environmental impact report and our concept design, which will necessarily show you the different um, alternatives that we looked at and the pros and cons of those. Sarah, just one one modest uh, uh, yeah. thing to say here. <laughs> I was pretty good for a long time. Uh, I think really what's at issue here are the number of slips in the West Harbor, not how many are in the East. So I no, think we want to maximize the number of slips in the East Harbor because then there will be less slips that need to go to, move to the, the right. West Harbor. But I think the question for us are what is the 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 going to be the slip count? that is required to actually run a harbor at all, right? So that is the analysis that yeah. we need to assess. It's a two-step. 
what is financially viable? How many slips make this project financially viable? One. Two, where can we place those slips between the east and the west? And what are the trade-offs? So yes. we as staff understand what you are asking for and will commit to that. And I think the commission secretary understands, although Manu's going to tell me nobody else understands the motion. So <laughs> we can restate it. <laughs> we just need to make sure we want to get the language right. But first, I need to find out if our fellow commissioners will accept a friendly amendment as we are discussing right now. Does anyone object to a friendly amendment along the lines of what we were discussing? All right, let's go. Let's talk about what the language of this needs to be, please. If you'd like, I can, I can uh, reiterate what I heard from um, this discussion. So uh, typically, uh, your commission resolutions reflect the language in the agenda. So what normally would go forward would be a resolution um, uh, the commission would approve a resolution to direct staff to proceed with an environmental review for the marina improvement and remediation project, but you could um, include the language that would say with an additional, re an additional requirement for the department to offer alternative designs evaluating um, the number of slips in the east and west harbors and to present, and I don't know if I heard that you wanted the separate from the EIR for the staff to come back with an info only item. Informational only item. That yeah. would go into more depth than what may be required in the EIR. Um, so, so to, sorry, Sarah again. Uh, to clarify, what I understood was there are two things you are requesting of us. One is a financial analysis showing the break-even point for the harbor and the number of slips and slip, slip mix required. That is, a, that is a separate question from the environmental impact report, but obviously informs design. So I hear the commissioners and Commissioner Mazzola requested the same thing, requesting a financial analysis be presented to the commission mm -hmm. and, and Commissioner Louie requesting that and a, uh, an analysis of once we know that break-even point, where, wh what number of slips can be located in each one of the harbors? And a direction, frankly, to include <laughs> the lowest number possible in the West Harbor. Yes. 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 Okay, that's a good clarification. Now, I, what I know is we, have, we need to vote on an action item. I so wish I could make a motion, Commissioner. Huh? I said I wish I could make a motion. Uh, so if you'd I like, need a promotion for that. I know. Would you like me to read a, a, a resolution with that amendment in it to you? What it, it would is, sound like? Oh. Where is the language of the resolution, please? Okay, so the language would be. Do you want me to read? No. What where is, is it in our materials? What page? Oh, uh, so on page three under item eight, that is the resolution language. Unless staff submits a, another resolution to me, typically your resolution just reflects what's in the agenda. So it would be resolved this commission does direct staff to proceed with environmental review for the marina improvement and remediation project. That's what's on the table. If you'd like to amend that, you're welcome to offer an amendment that includes language if you would like to say it, or I can restate what I just heard. Well, you just said page. Actually, I might be able to help you in here. Page three of item eight. I might be able to help. Okay. Of the agenda. Page three of the agenda. All right, so we're supposed to direct staff to proceed with environmental review for the marina improvement and, remedi and remediation project. And Phil, what would be the last few? Uh, I think that the second, you would just be adding uh, a 
clause in the resolution that says the commission further directs staff uh, to perform a financial, uh, a, feasib a financial feasibility analysis at the marina with the objective of, uh, of minimizing the number of new slips in the West Harbor and identifying potential locations to add slips in the East Harbor. What did you say after West Harbor? And identifying? Uh, and, identifying and identifying opportunities to add slips in the East Harbor. Let me see if I got this right now. All right, so the action item would be for the commission to direct staff to proceed with environmental review for the marina improvement and remediation project. And further, the commission directs staff to do a financial feasibility study of the marina with the objective of minimizing numbers of slips in the West Harbor and identifying opportunities to add slips in the East Harbor. I need a motion and a second. Additional slips, but yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry, wait a minute, what? I'm just saying additional slips. Oh, and, I'm sorry, slips and, and just make it identifying opportunities for additional slips, period. Okay. Okay, for that, additional slips, period, not in the East Harbor. No, additional no, slips additional in the slips, East period. Harbor. Okay. Commissioner Anderson? additional slips in the East Harbor. I said that. That was yeah. the first thing I said. <laughs> That's where we are, I think. Okay. Identifying opportunities for additional slips in the East, in the East Harbor. Harbor. I said that. That's what I said the first time. Okay. All right. So that is the stated motion. Okay. And I heard a second from Commissioner Allison. I'd Let's, like to second that. Oh, okay. Um, I'd like to take... I believe we have to take public comment on the motion. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Public comment on the motion, correct? I'm, so, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. Moving to public comment on the motion, is that correct? Uh, you've already no. taken public comment. Oh, okay, great. All right, so on the motion, on the table, would you like to do a roll call vote or would you like to state aye? Yes, I would like to do a roll call vote. Okay, please. so I'm just going to read the resolution one more time. So resolve this commission does direct staff to proceed with environmental review for the marina improvement and remediation project and further direct staff to perform a financial feasibility analysis of the project with the objective of minimizing the number of slips in the West Harbor and identifying opportunities for additional slips in the East Harbor. Is that correct? Okay, yes. on that motion, Commissioner Anderson, oh, I mean, Commissioner, um, I'm sorry, Commissioner Halsey. Aye. Commissioner Louie. Aye. Commissioner Jupiter-Jones. Aye. Commissioner Mazzola. Commissioner Wintraub. Aye. Commissioner Zwart. Aye. Okay, and President Anderson. Aye. Okay. The motion carries and the item passes. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Okay, so um, for those of you who are not staying for item nine, if you could quietly uh, make your way into the hallway. And because we are leaving the door open, if you need to chat with folks, please move away from the door if possible. And Commissioner Anderson, did you want to take a short recess? Yeah, three minute break and we'll be right back. And I mean three minutes. <laughs>
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
take their seats. And um, Monica, are you ready? I am ready. Yeah. Now you can see why um, I organized the agenda the way I did. Okay, SFWTV has us back online here, so. If I, if I can just get our general manager to behave now, maybe we could get started again. But see, he's totally ignoring me. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> I promise three minutes. It's been more than three minutes. <laughs> I got to enjoy my apple, so that was great. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome yeah. back. Can we just say it? Because oh. SFGovTV does it. Oh, can Ashley, which item are we on? SFGovTV? Oh, yes. Um, we are on item nine. Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project, CEQA, Conceptual Design, Roadway Recommendation, and MOU with SFPUC. Monica, put in for overtime after today. Okay. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. That's Commission on. approves it. Thank you. Do we have an MVP award? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, Hello, commissioners. Monica Scott, project manager with the Capital Division, here before you again, this time to present the Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project. Um, as Ashley mentioned, this is seeking your approval to adopt CEQA findings, approve a concept design, recommend that the Board of Supervisors adopt an ordinance restricting vehicles along a stretch of the Great Highway, and for your approval of the terms of an MOU with the PUC regarding construction, operations, and maintenance. Uh, this project is led by the PUC as the lead agency, and Reckon Park has been working collaboratively with the PUC on this project, along with SFMTA and Public Works. I want to note that approval actions um, that have already taken place for this project include on September 28th, the project EIR was unanimously certified by the SF Planning Commission, and October 10th, the PUC Commission unanimously approved the project and other um, action items. The project area is the southern portion of Ocean Beach, with the work principally occurring in the area of the Great Highway Extension as it runs south of Sloat to Skyline Boulevard. This is one of San Francisco's first large cross-agency climate change adaptation projects. It was envisioned in the 2012 Ocean Beach Master Plan, and this project will develop and implement two of the six Ocean Beach Master Plan key moves along South Ocean Beach, the first being implementing managed retreat by permanently closing and rerouting the Great Highway between Sloat and Skyline, and the second being protecting the existing PUC's Lake Merced Tunnel, or LMT, in place and introducing a multi-purpose coastal protection, restoration, and access system. For the PUC, this project is phase three of improvements to this area to address coastal erosion and sea level rise as it relates to the wastewater infrastructure. The major project elements include, as I mentioned, permanently closing the Great Highway, as well as um, thus seeking to reconfigure, um, sorry, reconfiguring the affected intersections and zoo parking access, uh, constructing a buried wall to protect the existing wastewater infrastructure from climate-induced sea level rise and shoreline erosion, removing emergency rock, rubble, and debris from the beach, reshaping the bluff and plant native vegetation, and importantly for Reckon Park, constructing over a mile of a multi-use trail, beach access stairway, coastal access parking, a new restroom, and beach access. 
Um, this will also be providing long-term beach nourishment or sand replenishment. And one item that I want to note is that this project was designed to meet the city's sea level rise guidance standards and includes a design that considers sea level rise through the end of the century. I'll now walk you through these public access improvements. This slide shows the entire project area with a multi-use path and adjacent service road running from slope to skyline in the place of the former lanes of the Great Highway. This section of trail will be part of the larger coastal trail network with trail connections between the Upper Great Highway Trail and the Fort Funston and Lake Merced trails. The other components of this project include a plaza at Sloat, a restroom, a parking lot at Skyline, beach access stairs, planting areas, and seating areas along the plaza and trail. Due to topographical conditions and other permitting related items, ADA access to the beach is provided off-site at Terraval as a part of this project. Terraval is the nearest access point without a steep bluff to navigate. However, please note that aside from the beach access stairs, the entire trail and project area is accessible. This zoomed-in view shows the northern end of the project site with a new plaza at the intersection with Sloat, which will have a restroom. The sand ramp, vehicular maintenance access that is existing will remain. That's on the left side of the area. You can see how the trail will be separated from the service road with planting areas, including bioretention planters to capture the stormwater runoff. The service road is also designed to serve as the emergency vehicle access point. Later in my presentation, I'll review how the zoo access has been incorporated into this project. Proceeding to the south, in this slide, you can see the beach access stairs, the new parking lot, and the connection to Skyline Boulevard. In this slide, you can see both the visible above grade elements of this project and also a view of the below grade elements with a low profile wall that is protecting the wastewater infrastructure. Above ground, you'll see the plaza with a restroom building with solar panels. This building and the entire project site will be completely off the electrical grid and all power will be provided by solar. The paving in this area of the plaza will be concrete as you can see in the banded paving zone and will transition to asphalt for the majority of the trail. This is to accommodate the sand clearing vehicles that we anticipate regularly using the road. Here's a plan view, might be more familiar for you to look at um, of that same area from above. And in this slide, you can see at the top the existing view looking south from Slope Boulevard towards the National Park Service restroom and Westside Pump Station. And below, you can see a rendering of the project's new restroom, coastal trail, and slope plaza. In the plaza, you can see the art enrichment component, a series of sculptures by lo local artist Mark Bausasaki. And here's the existing and proposed condition for this area looking to the north. You can see the beautiful curve of the roofline of the restroom. This building also serves as a small storage area for Rec and Park maintenance operations. As you proceed to the south from the plaza, the trail narrows slightly but maintains a minimum width of 15 feet to accommodate pedestrians and bicyclists. The service road, which runs to the east of the trail, is also designed for higher speed bicycle travel with a sharrow to allow for bicycles traveling north and in the same direction as the service road and a striped bicycle lane for those traveling south. Here's another section perspective at roughly the midway point along the trail heading south at the existing entrance and exit to the zoo from the Great Highway. At this plaza, there is seating with an overlook, and the access paths that you can see cutting from the service road to the trail are for maintenance and emergency vehicles. 
As we proceed to the south, across from the entrance to the Oceanside Water Pollution Control Plant, you can see there are beach access stairs connecting trail users to the beach. There's a seating area at the top of the stairs as well as at the landing on the stairs. And here is a rendering of these stairs showing the view experience from the top. Please note that the stairs have been designed to allow for beach access throughout the year despite uh, seasonal shifting sand levels. At the southern end of the trail, there'll be the Skyline Coastal Parking Lot, which will be accessible to vehicles from Skyline Boulevard. This parking lot will provide an access point for the multi-use trail and will also be the entry point for the one-way PUC access service road. The trail in this area will connect with the Lake Merced Trail, and there's a planned related project to connect with the Fort Funston Trail Network by National Park Service. I'll now shift gears to review the zoo-related scope of this project. As I mentioned, with the closure of the regular entrance and exit onto the Great Highway from the, for the zoo, um, this is an area that we are studying and the project includes emergency egress for zoo patrons onto the service road from that existing location you can see on the right of the slide. Other zoo scope is the conversion of um, the slope entrance to an entrance and exit with enhanced <coughs> landscape elements. And Lastly, the development and installation of signage along Sloat to highlight the zoo and direct guests to the parking lot. Please note that the Sloat entrance and exit improvements will be completed in advance of closing the Great Highway Extension. The modified condition of having two lanes of cars entering the zoo at Sloat will be updated to have a lane for entering, a lane for exiting, and a third lane that can be both, depending on demand. MTA and Reckon Park um, has reviewed options about a left turn into the zoo parking lot from Slope Boulevard. Most of these options created safety challenges for users. And due to the implementation cost and timeline of this intersection change, along with the zoo's long-term plans to pull parking away from the coast and improve, to improve the connection between patrons in the ocean, this option was found to be undesirable. The project team is focusing on developing signage to clarify how access to the zoo can be achieved from Sloat as well as highlight the zoo along the entire corridor of Sloat Boulevard. The PUC, in coordination with MTA, Rec and Park, the Planning Department, and Public Works, will be evaluating vehicle access to the zoo parking lot and will consider whether any subsequent project is necessary to provide enhanced vehicle access subject to any environmental review necessary at that time. The PUC and Reckon Park have primary jurisdiction over the project area. The future use of the project area will continue to be shared by the two departments and will, and will include both recreational and utility uses. The PUC and Reckon Park staff have worked together to negotiate a letter of agreement to set forth basic terms of a MOU or memorandum of understanding between the two departments to principally, uh, which focuses on confirming the ownership and maintenance obligations, as well as finalizing the terms and conditions for the construction of the project. With that, staff recommends that the commission adopt findings in a mitigation monitoring and reporting program under CEQA for the Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project, or OBCAP, if we want to start using that for, for brevity. Uh, the second item is approving a concept design for the 
Ocean Beach for the project, which includes the creation of the multi-use trail, restroom building, beach access stairway and parking lot. Third being rec recommending that the Board of Supervisors adopt an ordinance restricting vehicles on a half a mile long segment along the Great Highway between Slope Boulevard to a point approximately 3,317 feet south and approximately 728 feet west of Skyline Boulevard to allow for the multi-use trail and to improve shoreline resilience. And lastly, to approve the terms of an MOU with the PUC regarding the project's construction and operations. Thank you for your time and attention. I'm joined today with staff from the PUC, MTA, and the planning department, and we're happy to respond to any questions you may have. Thank you, Monica. Is there anyone in room 416 who'd like to comment on this item? Okay, come on up. You'll have two minutes. Thank you. Hello, commissioners. Uh, Zach Lipton. I'm a volunteer here on behalf of uh, Friends of Great Highway Park here to support this resolution and the Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project. I want to be clear at the outset, this is not a vote to decide the long-term future of the entire Great Highway north of Sloat. You've already had a contentious agenda item today, and none of us have time for the public comment that would require. <laughs> um, but this project will protect essential SFPUC wastewater infrastructure that has been adopted city policy since um, the lengthy public process to develop the Ocean Beach Master Plan in 2012. Meanwhile, the relentless forces of climate change in the sea follow no such timetable and continue to erode away at our shoreline, threatening the Lake Merced Tunnel and the wastewater treatment plant that hundreds of thousands of us rely on us daily. It's time to take this action to address the reality that is climate change, protect our city's coast and infrastructure for future generations. Also, the voters already had an opportunity to weigh in on this project when they passed Prop I and rejected Prop, uh, passed Prop J and rejected Proposition I last fall that demonstrated pronounced public support for portions of this project with 65% of voters and majorities in every supervisorial district rejecting a measure that would have sought to block this project. We're especially pleased to see the new accessibility, beach access, and native plant um, elements that have been recently added to this project. This will provide new access for people with disabilities to Ocean Beach and help stabilize the dunes south of Slope with new native vegetation. Um, the planned MTA and Caltrans traffic improvements at Sloton Skyline and the other transportation projects all across the west side, all of this has been coordinated between departments to ensure that traffic keeps moving for drivers to San Mateo County, even while we create new recreation options along the coast. We look forward to continuing to collaborate with Rec and Park staff as they move forward on new recreation and access improvements as we seek to build an accessible and joyous oceanfront for all. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, any other speakers in room 416? Okay, seeing none, are there any hands raised on our WebEx? Also, don't see any hands raised there, so public comment is closed. Commissioner Hallisey. Uh, yes, Monica, a couple of quick questions, if I might. First of all, there's almost as many partners on this as there is in the marina, uh, on the marina project. I see RPD, PUC, MTA, Public Works, National Park Service, Federal Highway Administration. It's great that, that you can make this all work. Um, now, we were not part of phase one or two. Uh, phase one is still ongoing. Phase two is finished. So we're jumping in here on phase three. Correct? That's that correct. correct. Okay. So we're jumping in here on phase three. So those four points you made at the end of your presentation, that is all part of phase three. That's correct. Okay. And any idea how many phases there are in this entire project? 
that's the final phase oh, that will of be this the project. Of course, the project will have construction phasing okay. that I don't really need to, well, I touched on it with um, regarding the intersection work taking place before the great highway closure and that there's subsequent phasing of work based on uh, construction interaction. Okay. But it's all one project. Got it. All right. Thank you, Monica. And again, thanks for all your work today. Thank you. Commissioner Louis. Um, I just have a question about access to the zoo. So, you know, you showed the road dividing, you showed cars crossing over. I mean, if it was me, I'm a mom getting to the zoo, I would like miss the turn off. So if they, if they miss that, do they have to go like all the way around? Or is there like you get stuck? I mean, um, when you say there's proper signage? Correct. Who so, is but, let the me MTA and you. Okay. So the signage is more wayfinding signage that's um, being designed by MFLA, the landscape architect, on the entire project. MTA is reviewing those signage upgrades, but it's not like typical street signage. We're talking more branding, marketing type of signage for the zoo. Mm. Um, with regard to, let me, let me maybe switch to a slide to take a look yeah. at the. I, I'm concerned about vehicle accessibility to the zoo and not upsetting anyone. Uh, SFGovTV, can you share the screen, please? So we are, this is also a concern. The access to the zoo uh, is a, con we're, we are considering it. We are studying it further because this is also a concern for Rec and Park, as well as the zoo, of course. Um, and so we are coordinating with our partner agencies, specifically MTA, um, to evaluate enhancing the access to the parking lot. Um, and that, that is what is a part of this description and the details of that are actually in that MOU between Rec and Park and the PUC, that further study will occur. But there, there is a, a spot there, I see you can like a, make a yo-yo. Pardon? Like a U-turn going all the way around. So if, if you miss that turnoff, you still are not. Commissioner, I got, I got this. I, the, the truth of the matter is, is that this is an issue. And yeah, there's been a lot of discussion and the PUC is definitely committed to work with the zoo and MTA and us on figuring this out. The zoo is a major cultural attraction. We're gonna need a, long term, we're gonna need a better solution. Um, but this is where we are. The project is very important. The infrastructure changes are very important. So um, at a multi-agency staff level, everyone is aware. Um, and for Commissioner Mazzola, who's the new chair of the zoo committee, same thing, you know, and, and uh, there's been good, good communication with, uh, with Tanya Peterson and, and zoo staff. It's, we're not exactly where we want it to be, but we're, 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 yeah. Everybody's committed to trying to figure it out. Hi, thank, thank you. Um, so I'm Chava Cronenberg. I'm from the MTA. And so I think your questions are really revolving around Sloat, which is an MTA um, roadway. And so we, um, as Monica pointed out, and if you want to go to the slide, um, so, you know, your future condition as a, as a driver is that you will, let's say you're coming from the mission where I live and you've decided to take 280 and then you're coming off John Daly and up Skyline and you're a zoo member like myself and you're, <laughs> and so currently you come up Great Highway Extension and enter 
through the gates um, just off of that. And so the future condition is that you're going to uh, stay on Skyline and make a left at Sloat Skyline, correct? And that will now be signalized so you no longer have to deal with what we would call stop controlled um, intersection and where I know that you all know that there's this um, southbound double, double lane, which is fairly precarious, which is why we're going to be signalizing it. And then you'll be traveling west, and you're correct that you'll travel west through 47th Avenue, and the way to access the zoo entrance, which is also west of 47th Avenue, is this um, turnaround. And it's going to be a fairly gracious turnaround, and I understand that there's certainly concerns about it. Um, that said, um, to the general manager's point, this doesn't preclude any other future condition. It just is the, the current design and implementation. And so if there are future thoughts that we want to modify or consider, um, that's certainly available depending on funding and um, you know, any other design concerns. And we at MTA would be happy to explore it um, in coordination with our partners. Yeah, I, I just want to make sure that we're welcoming enough. We heard from the zoo today, and, you know, they're saying that SF Travel and the Hotel Council is promoting the zoo as a, as a you know, uh, somewhere to come in San Francisco. So we just want to, I just want to ask about that. Yeah, that was fully heard. Thank you. All right, there's no other comments re requesting from commissioners. So... All right, so seeing no further discussion, I think you all can go ahead and take a vote, make a motion and take a vote. I'll entertain a motion. Second. Oh, sorry, I'll make motion. the motion. <laughs> motion to and approve. A second. Did I hear a second? Second. All those in favor, state aye. 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 Any opposition? None. It passes unanimously. Thank you, everybody. All right. Monica, you're free. <laughs> All righty. Um, we are now on item 10, general public comment. Um, being that I do not see any general public in the room, and there is also nobody, well, there's one person on the line, um, but their hand is not raised, so there is no public comment. So public comment is closed. We're now on item 11, commissioners matters. Commissioners, do you have any matters? What's the matter for you, commissioners? <clears throat> we don't have any. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> well done, well done. Do we not? I heard Phil say, hold on. No, we're just, no, well, well done. Well that was done. a well, that was well a well done. done. Okay, got it. Uh, Sorry. Pun. Dad joke. I think our, our, my brain is overheating now. Okay. Um, <laughs> we are now on item 12, new business agenda setting. Do we have any new business or agenda setting, commissioners? I would like to express under new business that whereas our San Francisco Board of Supervisors recently voted to end public comment remotely, I would like our commissioners to weigh in on if we considered allowing virtual public comment through the end of 2023. Well, I don't know if you can do that because it's, you, want to, you want to put it on the agenda next time. You don't want to discuss it right now. Yeah, put it on the agenda for next November. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. Anything else, commissioners? Okay. Um, so seeing no further new business or agenda setting and no public comments, we're going to move to item 13, communications. Anything on that? We have something, Commissioner Mazzola, about communications. It might have been under the last item. Okay. Or it might be on an upcoming item. 
Well, we're going to do adjournment, and, and uh, huh? Commissioner Hallisey wants to say something at adjournment. Okay. Do Can you want to say, say something at adjournment? No, but I, I want to ask, are we having a meeting next month? because of APEC. Thank you for asking. Okay. Um, um, uh, according to the mayor's office, who met with the commission secretaries yesterday, um, it is possible that, well, no, APEC will impact City Hall the week of our November meeting. Um, and it is possible that they may ask us to reschedule or cancel our November commission meeting. So I will be in communication with you all about that very, Send very soon. Send an email out, so everybody answer her email, would you please? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being rude for me because I couldn't, couldn't say it. Yes, it's in an email that I sent out short, recently. Um, okay, so now we are on item 14, adjournment. Commissioner Halsey? Yes, I'd like us to adjourn today uh, in memory of Tim Figueres. Uh, Tim was a park director for this department for 37 years. He passed away on September 30th. Uh, he was on the original staff of Soma Rec Center, now Gene Friend. Um, he moved to Keysar Pavilion uh, from 2003 to 2010, where he was a great help to me in running SF Youth Baseball. Um, the batting cages in the Soma neighborhood were named for him in 2018, a decision that was passed unanimously by this commission. Uh, Tim is survived by his wife, June, and two sons. His service is Friday, November 10th at 1 p.m. at the County Fair Building. Uh, he was a great guy, and he did a lot for kids here in San Francisco. Thank you, Commissioner Howell. Thank you, Commissioner. Okay, so is there a second to motion in, in a, uh, adjournment of his memory? Second. Okay. And all those all in favor of adjourning? Aye. Aye. Okay, we are now adjourned. We are adjourned Thank at 2.12 p.m.